Hello mech fans and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a fusionaire and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community. Alright folks, welcome to the Valhalla Club. I will be your bartender tonight, Ben, or Burben. Uh, with me tonight at the bar, we've got Mike. What are you drinking tonight, Mike? Uh, good old Budweiser, but heavy, because I'm classy, I guess. There you go. Dave, what are you drinking tonight, Dave? Water. Lame. Fair enough. Designated <laughs> driver. Matt, what do you got going on? Some quality H2O. And John. That'll be wrong, Let's John. Let's get our guest. Uh, no, Tito's tonight. She's drinking vodka. Okay. All right. All right. Those are our normal regulars. Uh, our special guest for tonight, we have Jason Hansa, author of a number of short stories in the Battletech universe. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, Dos Equis. There we nice. go. I like it already. I like it already. And our other guest, our spe- other special guest tonight is Kanan from the podcast of Mechs and Men a Battletech podcast that focuses on the novels and lore related to the game universe. Kanan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. And I am drinking. I'm drinking yes! Black, I'm drinking black coffee, however. Fair um, enough. Isn't that it late? Is, uh, if anyone, it's uh, Stumptown. It's Foundered by Stumptown. And um, I did, I saw you guys, you, okay, so you have the recipe for the large laser, and I thought about making one, and then I saw what it was, and I was like, no, nah, I'm, you know, I'm okay. That's <laughs> I respect you for that, man. <laughs> that's, that's fair. We'll we'll get into that uh, when we get to that segment, though. But uh, all right, so those are the folks here with us tonight. Um, let's get into our pile of shame and what we've been doing over the last month, fellas. Uh, let's start off with Mike. Mike, what have you been up to this last month? Uh, not a lot of hobby progress uh, in the painting realm, still, because. Uh, I'm lazy, and I just don't want to, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I got a, uh intro game in yesterday uh, for a new player out here in the Springs. Uh, so games played, one learner game. Uh, since the mid-month episode with my big game with Rick, but I already covered that one in the last episode. But that's about it for me. Fair. Dave, what have you been up to this month? So this month I've oh, almost knocked my water over. Uh, this month I have played two games. One was against Charles, where we tried out the new uh, WolfNet Epic rules, and that was pretty interesting. We both brought, uh, we both brought, what was it, Renaissance Era Mercenary lists. So it gave we were able to give a lot of good feedback to WolfNet, and honestly, fun fun set of rules. I think it's better for later eras, but we can talk about that later if we get to it. Uh, the other game that I played was against Damien, Josh, and Alex. Uh, we play a monthly uh, scenario. We've been, lately we've been only playing Hexless Classic, and this month was Damien's turn to GM the game, and it was a really fun time. We were a mercenary group that went up against some Comstar baddies and really kind of beat the piss out of them. So that was wonderful. And as far as painting and other hobby progress, I painted a garishly disgusting colored 
Warhammer in Dayglow orange and that's your best work. Yellow. I'm sorry, Dave. That's your best work to date. <laughs> it looks pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. It, it yeah. actually turned out. I mean, props to Josh for giving me the idea to paint a battle mech to look like a Nerf gun because it really does. Uh, but yeah, and then I've been just painting up some kind of generic bad guys, and I know you guys can't see it at home, but I'm actually working on an archer right now, and uh, I've got about a 20, 25 primed miniatures sitting over there on my desk that's ready to get worked on. We'll see if I can get through those next month. Cool. Matt, what have you been up to? I have been up to organizing things uh, more than actual painting and playing. So, I will talk about it a little bit later, but we had our unofficial Kickstarter party, and that was a blast. Uh, And other than that, I've just been helping my two boys. They got really interested in painting a bunch of mechs, and so they picked out some color schemes and They've been painting some fun stuff, so I've just been uh, helping do some touch-ups for their stuff and started painting some buildings, and it is taking forever. So maybe I do need to invest in the old airbrush just to move things along. Yeah. But uh, otherwise... Get an airbrush. Yeah, everyone says it. Uh, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. We'll see. That's all. Good deal. John, what about you? John? Uh, Whoops, I'm here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I'm here for you guys. No, not a lot of painting, a lot of gaming uh, between Tuesdays and Fridays. And Matt and I had the whole Kickstarter thing up in Hobbytown, Westminster. So I ran a big multiplayer game for that. That was a lot of fun. And then I've been tinkering around with like some homebrew rule sets for uh, kind of like a weird in-between of Alpha Strike and Classic. And that's been a lot of fun too, actually. And I showed it to Ben and he said, uh, he was like, that's too much. He was like, go away. Yes, that was too much math. Too much math cool. for me, at least. All right. I need to bribe, bribe him some crayons. Right. Oh, was Ben hungry? It was the middle of the night. I'm always hungry. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a fat kid. I guess to eat. <laughs> what have you been up to, Ben? Uh, shoot. Okay, so it's been a busy month for me. Um, I finished up the rule set for the Marshall Olympiad that we're going to try and run up here in Westminster. Uh, I stripped and cleaned about 30 minis of my old metal stuff. Why? And I've, sorry. they needed it. They really needed it. I'm just, I, um, I, sorry to interrupt. I'm just, I'm always fascinated when people say they strip minis. It's like, why not just keep them and buy more? Well, I, yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's a lot of my old original stuff from back in the day that had atrocious paint jobs. And I've learned things since 30 years ago, so it's time to uh, give them a little fresh coat of update. It, um, it's because he took them to the Kickstarter party and tried to trade them away, but they everyone looked at them and they were like, no, no, no. They're so, they're so bad. badly painted that they, nobody wanted them. <laughs> I'm just always fascinated by that, because um, I've got yeah, year old yeah. minis, and I would never consider stripping them. I mean, they look like shit because I was, you know, 12, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few that I won't ever strip just because it, it reminds me of where I was Nostalgia. at that time. You know? yeah. But, uh, you know, there's some that I still want to use and they're still kind of neat and they just need an update. So, um, so I stripped those. I've got about 30 miniatures that I primed and I'm getting ready to paint and did a little bit of writing and played a few games so uh that's that's kind of my update on my pile of shame uh kanan what are you going up to man um 
Games played. You know, my, uh, my little brother moved to the area recently. And uh, so he's been coming over. He's been hanging out. And he's never played Battletech before. He didn't know really. Uh, I've been playing with him. He's been coming down here, and I've been showing him the game. We've been having a lot of fun. We've played like four or five games now. All, all Alpha Strike. You know, I'm just like, check it out, dude. It's Alpha Strike. It's simple. And uh, we're having a good time. I'm using, I, I have, you see, I have my table here. I have the um, 8mm Warzone from Frontline Gaming, Matt, like a 6x4. It's awesome. And I'm using, I, got, I have all the buildings from like the Alpha Strike, um, like box set. It's cool. I have a, we, have, we, we built like a little urban uh, thing. We've been playing with it. Oh, and um, I've been playing the, uh, I have these, like the ace cards. I have like Battletech Aces, which is the, uh, that's like the AI system for playing solo or cooperatively. Are you liking that? And uh, I printed these out. Yeah, they're cool. I put them in sleeves and uh, they're just like this deck of cards that are just instructions for, uh, for Alpha Strike. It's cool. You got that off the, uh, the Kickstarter, right? Yeah. When you, uh, they like email you like a PDF and I open it up and I was like, oh, this is cool. And they were like, print them off. Check it out. And uh, I did. I played a few games with it. Uh, it's fun. It really does feel like you're playing a game against like the CPU. You know, I was like, this would be cool for like just playing a little campaign, like a little pirate hunting, like campaign. Uh, it's cool. I'm having a good time. And nice. um, painting. Oh, I have a bunch of stuff. Almost all my stuff is primed. I don't have that much stuff. I know you these huge collections. You know my collect. You know it's very modest, but uh, it's all plastic. I don't have any of the metal stuff. But, um, you know, they're all primed. I want to, I'm just going through, I've like base coated a bunch of them and like dry brushed and done the details. I do want to do like for a list, like if I'm going to go to a shop and play, I decided I want to do the Ryuken, the combine, the Ryuken with like, right the, with like the gray and blue. I think they're yeah. cool. And, uh, Ooh, combine. I like, <laughs> I like it, you know, I was like, yeah, dude, wolves on the border, you know, Manobu. Never forget. Go. So, uh, yeah, they're all gray. It's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it, really. Nothing. Awesome. I haven't, yeah. Sounds like you got a, got a good thing going out there. Oh, I wanted to ask real quick. I actually, I did experiment with stripping because I read about it and I had a couple that I had base coded and I was like, maybe I actually want to do these. I had done them differently and I was like, maybe I want to do these. I, I want to use these for my other list. And, um, I read about it and I was like, does this work? I wanted to try it. And uh, I tried, um, I used like, I wanted to ask, what do you use like to strip the minis with? Like, is it ultrasonic cleaner and probably simple green? Simple yeah, green. I just, yeah, I, I saw use that a lot. pine saw, you know, pine saw. Anything that's, that's a mild use. solvent. Yeah. I use LA's totally awesome. Uh, yeah, also and, works. And I'm going to be using that because I have like five Timberwolves painted on the exact same scheme. Uh, and so I'm going to strip like four of them. And paint yeah. them to other factions. That's that's what I use. I think you should. I use the LA. It's really awesome. It's good. Every time I hear, keep them and have them worship the four inch Timberwolf. <laughs> <laughs> every every time I hear someone yeah. say simple green, I think it's Soylent Green, and I'm a little thrown off. Yeah, I always think of the green. I'm totally painting that four inch Timberwolf like the Warhammer. I always think of the green stuff that comes like in a big tub that you sit there and clean like grease off your fingers with. I'm like, well, right, right, like, yeah. Dunk the mini in it? Was it that ultimate orange or whatever it was? Yeah. 
Yeah, for like, you know, after you sit there and yeah. change your oil, you sit there and you scrub your hands down with Simple Green. Well, cool. It works. Like, wh- why would you put that in mess? Is there like a liquid form? Yeah. Ah. See, that's the piece I didn't know. Yeah, you can buy it in like five-gallon jugs. Or one-gallon jugs. I was just curious. I knew it, it can't be too, like, caustic or too, like, abrasive, right? It has to be. Yeah. As long as it that's doesn't all. melt the plastic, that's the important part. It's good. It's got yeah, to be enough to eat the paint and loosen it but not caustic enough to destroy the plastic underneath. Or the super glue, I guess, for metal one. That's all. Yeah, yeah, you get the, the paint kind of stains the super glue when you use metal minis. And so once you strip them off, that, unless you pull the glue off completely and kind of sand all that crap off and everything else, it gets it's pretty gross. But, um, yeah, so I... For me, it was, it's always been pine salt, and, you know, I just soak them for a couple of days and then run them under some hot water and take a toothbrush to them and kind of scrub everything off that needs to get done, so. Yeah, that's all I got. I just wanted to ask about what stripping agent you used. Usually glitter works, too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, you always covered it in that bag? That's Trent's right. going to love this episode. <laughs> covered in glitter. Covered in glitter and dollar bills. All right, no, no, I another glitter bomb, too. <laughs> All Actually, right. quick question. How many minis do you guys own? I'm at like a hundo, 100 over here. Ben, you've got like 200. Uh, I'm at uh, Open 200, 250 minis, 300 vehicles. <sighs> Are we counting what we just bought with the Kickstarter? No, I'm not no, even counting <laughs> Only what's in hand, yeah. Yeah, and I got 500 battle armor minis. Nice. 500 battle armor? That's a ton. You, was wrong say, you never about, know. I have about 200, I think. <laughs> That's amazing. Way more than my wife knows about, and <laughs> the count is less than she wants to know. <laughs> yeah. so. I'm trying to decide how honest to be because I think she'll listen to the podcast. So, see, I know my <laughs> wife won't. So. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, mine don't either. <laughs> I did, All right, I, go ahead, King. I'm sorry. No, man, do it. I was gonna. I listened in your last episode. Someone suggested uh, pledging to the Kickstarter with the credit card your wife doesn't know about. Oh, that was oh, me. Yep, I thought man. that was very funny. I thought that was... <laughs> I did. I had a good laugh. <laughs> you can funny. always go down the, the, the moral high ground route and sit down with her and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do, and actually take her to the Kickstarter site like I did and say, here's all the options we have. And she's like, well, which one do you want? Do you want the $5,000 one? <laughs> I was like, well... Oh, wait, she gave you that option? She gave me that option. She's like, and you but... you did not do it. Why? Because uh, I didn't want her to spend $5,000. <laughs> There it is. I, I understand that <laughs> argument. Because <laughs> who knows Everything what that with a double price. It does, five, it does. Five becomes ten real fast. Yeah. She was happy to let me go to the five hundo, and that, that was as far as I needed to go. So Nice. Mm-hmm. Mr. Jason. Uh, yeah. I think we still, need, we still need Jason's. <laughs> <laughs> we still need Jason's update. Jason, what have you been up to? What have you been working on? What's your pile of shame? Well, my pile of shame is massive. Um, for the past month, for about three weeks, I've been down here in Texas. But right before I scooted down here, uh, one of the guys at the uh, the store, Chuck, um, he was building a list. I thought for Adepticon, but it might be for a different con. But, you know, he's uh, he was practicing uh, where you sit there and you capture the point in the middle for victory points. So King of the Hill? I, I don't know. I guess so, yeah. Um, and he was testing his list. It was like a 5K or 7K. So I put together a list to throw up against him just, you know, and got my ass kicked. But it was fun. Um, and a uh, pile of shame. I, nothing. I haven't. I well. I personally haven't painted in years. Uh, my son does a little bit of painting. He's currently painting up a three uh, D printed 
King Crab 010 in uh, Alpha Galaxy. Wolf Clan Alpha Galaxy colors for me. But, um, yeah, I've got, I don't know, however many minis were in the original clan invasion, plus, you know, plus a couple spares is in the gray, you know, it's a plastic, and then I've got 50 or to 75, maybe almost 100 metal still in their original packaging, just tucked in containers that I've never built yet. So, <sighs> yeah, I'll shame. Fair enough. Yep. Pile of shame. You can also include any pile of shame writing that you've been sitting on the back burner oh, too if you want. Writing <laughs> <laughs> pile of shame. Uh, my white whale is a story about a uh, the last worm. Uh, you know the worm SDSs. So uh, that's what, what, yes. yeah the uh, the worm submarines, the massive ones on Earth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I kind of get stuck on anything else, that's the one I open up and, and tinker with and edit. So that's that's my white whale. So I guess that would count as a writing pile of shame. Nice. Nice. The last worm. Yeah. Well, it's actually the second to last worm because the the last worm is actually the worm. It's in, like, the jihad. So this is the second one. It's the uh, Kurakami. It's based out of Japan. You know, I, I all, all the worms are named after mythological beasts, I've decided. So, uh, That's cool. yeah. I'm, I'm, I actually want to finish this story. It's very cinematic. Um, I have no idea whether John or Phil will ever accept it, so it might end up just being on a fan fiction site some one of these days. So, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. All right. Um, that concludes our pile of shame segment. Um, now we're going to roll into the main medal. So the main medal for this month is we're going to be talking to Jason Hansa and uh, and Kanan from of Mechs and Men, and talking about novels and stories and all the stuff that kind of gives us the meat of Battletech. So we're going to start off with Jason. Um, Jason, I can tell you that, you know, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I spent, I don't know how many hours reading some of your stuff, especially back in the Battlecore days. Um, So some of the stuff that Jason has done that I've read, at least, uh, Irreplaceable, which was a fantastic story. Yeah. No Dust, No Wear, Innocent Defenseless, The Old Rules of Hire, which I was fascinating. There's No We in Mercenary, The Third Pillar, Those Who Stand High, Three Points of Pride, and that's, that's about my limit right there. I'm sure there's many others out there that you've written. Um, let's talk about a little bit. How did you get started? Which came first, Hansa the Player or Hansa the Writer? Hansa the Player. Um, my best friends were a year older than me, so they moved on to high school before me. So I was in eighth grade, and they were freshmen in the high school, and they came back, you know, early in the year, and they're like, "We just learned this cool game at Gamers Guild. Do you want to learn it?" I'm like, "Yeah." And so we started playing BattleTech. So that was uh, the fall of '87. Um, so yeah, eighth grade, fall of '87. And so, yeah, it was, it, those first games were hysterical because they only had, like, photocopies of parts of the rules. And we were, like, building mechs that would move 1, 2, 21. <laughs> you know, we didn't understand. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, finally we got uh, a copy of the Rules of Warfare and uh, TRO 3025, and we were actually going to start playing legal games. But, um, so, yeah, I've been playing for years and years. And uh, so, yeah, the, the Jason the player came well before Jason the writer. Okay, so uh, with Jason the Player, what's uh, Jason the Player's favorite mech? Um, I love like okay, so our game, our group, 
as a lot of kind of like, you know, people play a lot of the same things. You know, some guys will play, you know, different, you know, this, you'll see them bring the same stuff. Me, I like being like random and I'm also kind of lazy. So whichever TRO I open up, if I want to play the, uh, the Jingao or something like that, or I want to play a Jingao, then pretty much everything nice. for that weekend is coming out of that same TRO. And so it's fun because there'll be the enemies, you know, my, my group will be like, holy cow, is that initiate? I haven't played, I haven't fought one of those in 13 years, <laughs> you know, right? you know, so. Yeah. Um, for general tomfoolery, I love the Blackhawk T, the one with the chemical lasers, for like going to a con and just like when it's a, it's kind of a a free for all, last mech standing thing, just running around with you know stupid amount of chemical lasers and doing ridiculous amounts of dumb <laughs> damage. It, I I love it so much. Um, I think oh. the first mech I can remember playing, like legally, uh, was a Hunchback. I think it was a Hunchback versus Awesome Duel against one of my best friends. So, I mean, you know, going all the way back, that probably, you know, it's always a favorite of mine. Right on. Classic. What, what about uh, favorite faction? <sighs> well, I don't really have a favorite faction, per se. Like, you know, growing up, uh, you know, because of Stackpole, you know, I was a you know, huge Federated Sons fan, like everybody. And then, of course, I was a Mercenary fan, like everybody else. Um, but way, way, way back, like I said, when my, my best friends first introduced me into the game, you know, I, was, I had a copy of Fasta's Star Trek, and so everything I knew about Battletech came out of the catalog. And they had a picture there. It's, like, it's actually the Northwind Highlander lady. You know, it's a, but she was listed as Romano Lau. I'm like, whoa, she's pretty. I'm going to work for her with my mercenary unit. <laughs> so, you know, I guess originally I was a Capellan stand, but... So, but <laughs> what? But nowadays, I don't really... I don't try to have a fa favorite faction. Uh, I, I think heroes and villains can be found in any story in any faction. So I just try to tell a good story. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's, that's what you get with a lot of with a lot of players. They, they may have one faction they lean towards a little yeah. bit, but for the most part, you get you know a lot of different options in pretty much every faction yeah. that's out there. The Federated Sons is easiest to write. You know, so unfortunately, I, so I definitely like stretching my wings and trying other factions in fiction. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, if, right. if John shot me a text and said, you know, hey, I need a story in three weeks, you know, go, it, it, it immediately default to either mercenaries or Federated Sons. So. All right. Um, how did, so let's, since you've opened up that box, how did you get into the writing side of things? What was your, what was your first First process, yeah. or first story, or first back in Ot Five, uh, Battlecore ran that unique mechs contest, and I really enjoyed submitting, just throwing together little stories and all five hundred word entries. And so from there, I just like, well, let me try my hand at writing a real story. And it just that's where it was. It was really the unique mechs contest that drove me to try my hand at actually writing actual stories and submitting the battle course. So and. At, at the okay. time, you still had to send in, you had to print out the story and send it with a self-addressed stamped envelope to Battle Course. Oh. <laughs> you know, so, and I was sitting there in, in Afghanistan writing stories and, you know, mailing them away with MPS <laughs> over in the corner. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, there's a, a I think probably me and, does, does anybody else remember the Battle Corps stuff besides me and Hansa? Hi. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. What? It's the, what though? Let me get my cane and my, you know, my, my old-fashioned out. 
<laughs> the, the Battlecore stuff is like so interesting to me because you know uh, a lot of those stories have been collected in those anthologies, right? right? Um, but a lot of them right. haven't, and it was like a subscription website. I came in after Battlecore, and I so I just had to look back, and I've tr- there's been things that I've tried to find that I like can't find because there's just some stuff that seems to be like lost to time. And I've even asked around. I've seen like forum posts right. and stuff. It's just it's funny. It's uh the you always hear about the Battlecore days, oh. and I'm like Battlecore man, and all these cool stories came out of it, and like all these guys who are writing now, you know, they all started in Battlecore, dude. And I'm like, what? It's cool. I uh, I don't know anything about it though. It's kind of like this mysterious black box. That's that's exactly um, it. So you, so you haven't read or have you uh, like a Storm of Fire and Rain? You know, it was one of my Battlecore ones that hasn't made it. The Operation Rain. I could I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Dude, I if I'd known it. that, I would have shot it to you. I, uh, <laughs> okay. I read it. Yeah. That's true. I saw it. It's, it's, it's listed on Sarna as one of your... Yep. Uh, yeah, one of your Nobody works. knows that one but because, yeah, yeah it's, it's it. lost to the Battlecore. You know, the Operation Rat hasn't been published as an anthology yet. Yeah, the Battlecore days were, were interesting because, you know, you had a lot of writers that were kind of up and coming. Yep. And uh, Battlecore was, I think, was that Lauren and... Um, uh, what was the FASA guy? Um, Lauren was uh, pretty. Lauren sent me back my first rejections. That's fun. So, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, way to start things. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was. It was Lauren and the original FASA guy that kind of I thought kicked off the Battlecore I stuff, did. and that was it was the subscription website, yeah. and people were submitting stories, yep. and and a lot of folks. Me, me and Craig Reed came up the same time. There was like a small writing group. And I don't know what happened to the rest of the writing group. I don't. They just kind of disappeared. I guess I don't know. But yeah, me and Craig, we both got our first stories submitted and like published at the same time. We we both checked each other's stories. So and it's weird, you know, when Battle Course was going on. Me and Craig were the new kids, and now fifteen years later, it's like we're some of the last ones left standing. And it's like, what? We're the experienced ones. People are coming to us for. Nice. Writing advice? <laughs> was, right. was Battlecore right. kind of like the modern shrapnel, or was it was it much different? Exactly, it was exactly like shrapnel. Um, they tried to publish like three yeah. stories a month, but just because of submissions, you know, they couldn't maintain that. So it was really about once a month. But yeah, it was a subscription service that would publish it by a month or or more. And yeah, they had an open submission process, which is, you know, how did Jason the writer? Well, J- there was a huge fan fiction section of battle cores and i'm like yeah and i'm like you know if i'm going to go through all this effort i want the five cents of work (laughs) (laughs) so people thought i came up you know there's a misperception that i came up through the fan fiction side nope i've written no fan fiction Mm -hmm. i i was like you know caught my i had a baby you know (laughs) like i want to get paid yeah yeah. Right, right. I need I'm that. Doing the work. Money. I want the money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Very good. Well, cool. Yeah, the yeah, it was an interesting time. And then I think from what I recall of the of the time there, it was about the Wiz kids and the fan pro kind of change over and battle court kind of just yeah. shut down. Yeah, right around then. And, um God. I know Cold Collaboration was my last story to come out under Battle Cores. And their last kind of anthology was Gray Market, which I didn't have a chance to submit to. I just didn't have a good story, and the submission window was just too tight. So, but yeah, that, so whenever that came out, I'm not sure when I had to look. 
But yeah, that was when Battlecore just kind of died. So I had a couple in the slide file. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. There's not, not a lot of folks <clears throat> that are doing a lot of this stuff that remember a lot of that old ancient yeah. history. Yes. <laughs> Cold was published in Slack Times. Yes. It was on yes. Battlecore's January of January 2016. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Interesting. Huh. Well, talking about uh, some of your stories and stuff, Jason, what, uh, up to this point, what's the story that you most enjoyed writing? That I most enjoyed writing? Um, I really don't know. I really, <laughs> my original version of No Dust, No Wear was 18,000 words long. And so I cut out a full third of it. And I loved that original version. So that was one of my favorites to write. That one just, I wrote it all like in a week and a half. And it just ridiculous oh, amounts of words. They were like flowing out of my fingers like a, a movie montage sequence. Um, so that one might be one of my favorites to write. The current version of No Dust Nowhere is like missing like its original third <laughs> or so. Yeah. Oh no. Dude, that one's so good. <laughs> yeah, the... Dude, with uh, with like Sandra Barclay and uh, Ariel yep. Suver, the like the light. Oh man, yeah, I love the, that one. Uh, the daughter, Ariel, Ariel Barclay, yeah. was had. She was right. the third beating heart of the story. That she she essentially oh. became a niece to Ariel Suvorov, you know, and that's one of the binding elements because you know not only did they become friends, but uh, the Khan having this Ariel they call Khan Ariel, technician Ariel. You know, they just kind of refer to each other, and that was a huge part of why the, you know they kind of absorbed each other. You know, so like, yeah, yeah and you can see hints of it still remaining, uh, where I had to sit there and cut all yeah. that out. But yeah, um, yeah, like Sandra was like, you know, Ariel loves you. She looks up to you like an uh, as an aunt, and she wants to be like you when she gets older. And it, you know, that so scenes like that. So there was a there was a scene. That broke my heart. It was the last 500 words I cut. Was uh, Sandra Barkley going up to Ariel Win- Ariana Winston's grave and just saying, you know, hey, dancer, oh. it's me. And sitting there explaining her actions and why she's going to get the regiment absorbed. Just, just kind of oh. cleaning off the grave. So that, uh, in, in writing, they say you have to kill your darlings, which isn't mean, you know, yeah. kill your main characters. It's the things that you love the most in the story don't necessarily make it a good story. And those 500 words, like I said, I kept those to the very end. But, ah, uh, yeah, where she's sitting there at Eric, uh, General Winston's grave explaining how they're going to yeah. get absorbed. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I can, I can shoot you that That's original so version, buddy. You know, I can, I can, if you ever want that manuscript, I can shoot you it. <laughs> Dude, I totally read it. <laughs> uh, I'll throw in a related question. Which of your works would you like trend to voice? Oh, oh, yeah. He did. I liked. He did a great job. I know we're kind of skipping ahead to the hands question coming up, but I loved how much he was just angry. So I would 100% want him to do Irreplaceable. He, he did a good Hans. And so, yeah. I, 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 yeah. And especially now that they're looking Very at nice. doing the audiobooks with multiple voices, like they're going to bring the, the, I can't remember her name, yeah. uh, but uh, the, the, audi- the, the two voice actors are going to start doing multi-parts you know, I would love for them to collaborate on it, Irreplaceable. I mean, if I was, I'm not, you know, if, if they ever asked me, you know, which one would I want next in the queue? That'd be awesome. Yeah. And I would love for Ooh. her to do, um, God, I, I know her name is like Violet, I want to say. Um, whole collaborations. Uh, that she, 
Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I think she, yeah, that'd yeah. Be awesome. I that'd think be she tight. would kill it. Absolutely kill it. Yeah. There's a, uh, I know they have Lisa Lee. She did the one with, uh, like, Deny. And then, I list audiobook, they have, like, a selection. They'll often change actors between these. But I really liked um, the woman who did No yes. Dust, Nowhere. She was great. Yes, I did, did you hear that? Yeah, it was weird. She's, uh, her accents were, like, yeah. awesome. I was like, man, she's yeah, so, so good. Yeah, I would love to see her, or hear her, I guess, <laughs> do uh, cold collaboration. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah she's she great. She, is, she kills it. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, Kanan, uh, you had a few questions for Jason. Um, do you yes. want to take those? I mean, you know, they were like, put some questions <laughs> yes. in here. And they're asking, like, real, you know, they're like, what motivates you and stuff? And I'm over here like, <laughs> hey, man. Um, Tell me about the kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, what was that? That was... Um, something more. Yeah, in Something More. Um, they're on Coventry, and they have the... They're on the kangaroos. There's like the kangaroo yeah. troopers. Boomers. Well, boomers, I guess. They call them... Well, the females are flyers. The males right. are boomers. It's specified. But uh, I was like, man, this rules. I don't know. I was like, I want to ask about the kangaroos. Thank you. You were like the first person that's talked about kangaroos ever. Um, and as far as I know, <laughs> I am one of the only science fiction writers in like the history of science fiction to write about people riding kangaroos. It's not nearly as common as you'd think it is. Um, and I had to watch... <sighs> Rescuers Down Under so many times to see how King... Oh, nice. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so much Let's Discovery well, Channel. In Rescuers Down oh, Under, man. the little kid jumps on the kangaroo. Yeah, and he rides yeah. it. So the descriptions are essentially me describing the Rescuers Down Under. Um, that rules. And so, no, I, I the, the story came around because they were doing the 25th anniversary book. And they sent out the artwork to everybody, and they said, you know, write a story based on these artworks. And the Coventry one was still open, so that was my Coventry submission. And they did say, you know, pitches that don't get accepted will still be considered for Battle Course. And so, yeah, I didn't get picked for the, uh, the Coventry one. But, yeah, it still ended up being a Battle Course submission. Oh. And I just, I wanted to write it. I just thought it would be really neat. Does you know? Because I think the idea of having any beast-mounted infantry in BattleTech is just awesome, and the idea of these kangaroos, you know. And then once I actually watched how kangaroos move, they do bounce up and down, going yeah. slow. But once they speed up, they're yeah. they're just rockets. And I thought that was so yeah. interesting. Yeah, when you you he he brings that up that when they go fast, they're like and they're tearing through the forest. It paints such a vivid image in your mind of these like yeah. troopers on these kangaroos, just like ripping and, through and the forest. I, uh, it's so cool. I was actually, you know, I, because I'm an army guy, I've, I've, I have access to doctrine. I really wanted to use these, can, these kangaroo-mounted infantry as proper calf scouts, you know? And so a lot of the doctrine that they're sitting there doing their striking attacks and stuff like that are, is very much based in actual yeah. calf squadron <laughs> doctrine. So uh, thank you for appreciating the story. That's one of, that is one of my favorites. And... You know, I wish I'd had more words because it's it's kind of a fast-moving story, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's one of it's one of my favorites. It's one of my personal favorites, and I you know thank you for liking it. I love oh, while we're on it, I love the part where she uh, I think Talar's in the commando and she stops real quick, and then like Raymond ha- he he has to like skid and he's like what why'd you stop? And then he turns and she scooped up the infantry yeah. like in her hand. And she's like, I saved them. And he's like, good work. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, it's, 
Sandus Gill makes an appearance. Um, yeah, yeah, and of one, that story, actually, that scene made me kind of a better writer because when during that battle, I was sitting there and the, the Highlanders taking damage, and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should look up how much damage I've actually inflicted. And yeah, I'd cord the mech. <laughs> So, you know, nice. so now I make sure, you know, when I'm sitting there writing battle scenes, I've got copies of the proper record sheets open to make sure that I don't actually destroy the mech, you know, that I don't. So, mm. yeah, the, my, my first draft. Good point. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, That's another funny. funny part. I never, yeah, you can. So, when I originally wrote the story, Covenant G kangaroos weren't described like any source book. So, I wrote them as actually like more kind of like giant bunnies, you know, just more of an alien thing. I was leaning into the fact that Battletech is alien worlds and but they're just yeah. they were nicknamed kangaroos and you know fact check sent me back as the thing saying they're saying nope they're actually kangaroos genetically modified i'm like well where is this listed you can't knock me for, f- for, you know, for <laughs> canon that's not written i like so. talara says that she's like they look like giant yes. rabbits and and raymond's like don't have don't tell those guys that they're that they're on a yeah. giant attack bunny it's like <laughs> yeah so yeah that, that, that's kind of a carryover from when i was the original conversation about the bunnies parts, but yeah, one of my favorite lines is, you know, they're marsupials, cadet. Didn't you notice the pouches? <laughs> You're right, right. And that was one. Of, that was like a pretty old one, right? Like that was in the that was all thousand nine ish anthology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was in Korea yeah. when I wrote that one. Wow. Yeah, actually, cool. very few of my stories, especially all my early stuff, was actually written overseas. So <laughs> interesting. That is interesting. Okay. Let's, like, uh, oh, go ahead, King. Well. I was also going to ask about, um, I read it in the anthology yeah. Killzone, um, Operation Scythe, Those Who Stand High. It's the story of, um, it's like yeah. during the jihad. Right. It's in Colorado. It's on Terra. And yes. I was like, oh, I was like, Colorado, uh, you know, like Valhalla Club, like those guys. I was like, I bet they know, you know, I've never been to Colorado. But, uh, Up in Gunnison. Yeah, I was like, Gunnison, that's a, that's a cool story, by the way. I love that. The scene, dude, the intro where they're coming in on the, like, the VTOL, it's, like, so scary, you know, and they're all packed in there, and they're, like, they're coming in on the, yeah. and you all packed in so tight, and they have, like, their bags and, like, their, like, armor, and then they're, like, approaching the, uh, the airfield. Yeah, that's always a, a cool cold story. open. I um, love the, that part of it. Yeah, I appreciate you liking yeah. that story, because I don't, you know, <laughs> nobody seems to know it exists. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of pissed at you for that one, too. Why? Because. I was in the. I was about probably two thousand words into a VTOL fast rope story, and then I read that one. And I was like, "Well, cancel that whole thing because <laughs> got scooped." Because Jason did it years ago. <laughs> yeah. I did, but um, if no one exactly knows about it, it. No, but <laughs> it's true. It's true. When a tree the falls, fast roping isn't. You know that happens, but you know that's off to the side. So you can totally write that story. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I did like Some he has air assault dope on a rope, right? Right. He has a mention in that. I was like, heck yeah, dude! I love the mention. yeah the mentions. I love those weird capella mess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't really show up yeah. very often. And what I That's love good. about BattleTech is like they're like drinking coffee. You and know. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. I was just saying. You know, one of the things I love is because of salvage. You know, why is this Avian unit got a mention on the? You know, <laughs> I don't have to explain it. They just do. I don't care. Why don't they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm personally happy whenever I don't have to fly in a helicopter. <laughs> Just throwing fair. that in there. That's fair. 
Man, Hilo jumps are the best. Like, legitimately. <laughs> They're my absolute favorite. You know what? Go get yourself another drink, Mike. <laughs> I like, I wrote here, look, I did, I went, one of my only notes for that one was, there's a thug painted, uh, there's a thug named Physics Department. I thought that was Yeah, the gear, uh, Gunnison has a college. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, it's like they get attacked by a thug, and on the side is painted the words Physics Department. Oh, <laughs> thank, thank you. I laugh. Um, let's let's talk about three points of pride for a second. Right. The football yeah, story. This, this yeah. most, three points of pride is one of the most controversial of all my stories because people either love it or hate it. There's not there's not a lot of people that are like, eh, it's fine. People are like either, hey, this is very cool, or they're like, this is not battle tech. This sucks. You know. <laughs> it's uh, I what three points of pride gets mentioned. Like in all the other po- every people, you people talk about like, oh, you know the football one. And for a while, I was like, what's this football one? Until I found it, and I was like, oh, Jason Hanza wrote this. This is the well. It says it references like something from a source book, but it, it's it's like an extrapolation of like some kind of snippet. I don't know. I uh, I didn't know anything about it. Interesting about the football game. Everyone knows this one. It's like it's the one about the football game. Uh, it's so. How funny. do you not know about the football game? <laughs> yeah, it's so like infamous. It, it is. It, that, that is a good word for it. Everybody knows of this story. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what's. Did that come out of the invading invading clan sourcebook? Invading clan sourcebook. Yeah, it was like when they took. Yep, it, it's about three lines in uh, on underneath Sheliak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Sheliak. Which yes, because I remember the discussed in Warriors of Kerensky or Blood of Kerensky where Phelan's, you know, back on the home worlds or whatever, going through the clan indoctrination and everything and he gets involved right. in a lacrosse game and, uh, you know, and then seeing that little snippet in the Invading Clan source book that, uh, you know, the Ghost Bears want to plan it, plan football. You know, it was one of those neat little ties to you know, our current world versus yeah. the universe kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd read that snippet and just kind of forgot about it or whatever. And then, and it, luckily, you know, the show notes, I saw this question. I was, you know, where did this idea come from? I, I had to sit there and really think. Um, I think I was watching like YouTube or something like that. And they were discussing trick plays. And it might have been like somebody might have used a trick play in a college game or something like that, which is why I was in the news or whatever. And one of the things that was mentioned was that it's hard to pull off a trick play because for a lot of them, the offense has to set up in very specific patterns. So if the defense can see what's going on, they can read a trick play instantly. And I'm like, huh. And, you know, and it just kind of clicked. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, because that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the college games were going on. And so, uh, yeah, I just kind of clicked it. I'm like, okay, the clans won. I'm like, but what it would it have been like to be professional football players playing these guys and just getting your asses kicked? So, <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, the, right. the whole game revolves around a trick play because I just thought that was an interesting idea that yeah. the clans were winning because they were physically superior, not because they were actually better football players, you know. And so yeah, the the professionals just you know it wasn't really even the three points that's important; it's the fact that they pulled off a play. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, I, I love that little story. I'm, yeah, I was cool. surprised that Schmetzer accepted it. I, I kind of like, you know, I wrote this. I understand if it's not battle techy <laughs> enough. So, and then, yeah, it came out on New Year's Day, I believe, uh, the same day as the Rose Bowl. So they, they actually, yeah, it was a football story. I think it was the Rose Bowl. You, 
go home with that. Um, let's move to the uh, the third pillar. Mike thinks this is a super dope story about yeah. the uh, heist I, in the grasshopper. I do. I don't know, uh, Jason. We were talking probably about two, three weeks ago on the Wolfnet server about it, um, and I just want to say I super appreciate it and reiterate the fact that. If no one else has given you love for it yet, not, well, not as a soul. I think you're the only person that's read it. <laughs> oh, it was, no, the, that entire anthology of of legacy was amazing. And who doesn't love a good heist story? Like, totally. come on, yeah, right. Uh, that was such a good story. I loved all of it. That the entire anthology of legacy was amazing. Um, and I just wanted to vocalize my love for the third pillar because it was amazing. And you said you did all kinds of research and everything. Like, I'm not one to go, like, how much does money weigh? <laughs> and I would never have thought of that until you mentioned it. And I'm like, but that from from creating the story and this, like, that's, I appreciate you. you, good um, sir. I I would like to start off by saying that Legacy is absolutely, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, anthology out there. I just I concur with you 100%. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that it follows one specific oh, mech. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not, not following a chassis or a pilot, one specific mech. And, and, and they're like was, writing their names on it, like throughout yes, the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so freaking cool. I love from it. its from Loved its inception, it. like on the on the floor of the you know research lab, all the way till its final yeah. destruction. You know that absolutely it to great. to its final resting place in the museum. Yeah, like just yeah. the entire thing was badass. And who doesn't love a good heist, man? It's a heist. It's cool. And we get Let's, there's like a there's like you get like the nightclub scene. Yeah, you know where they go see the dude and like the it's all like uh and they like kill the guards. Thank it's you. so cool. I loved it. I yeah, just it's awesome. It's so emotionally. I, I you know, and when uh, I loved it. What is it? The dude in the grasshopper is out there. He's with this boy, like Marcos, and they're in like the like refinery, and Marcos is down, like the artillery's still there, and he's like, he's like, hit me nine, and he's like, no, and like the he's like, get, oh man, it's so. I was like, no, Marcos. Stop! It's uh, a that one rules. Yeah, third. That pillar. was a uh, sick a pushback from the editor. Actually, um, was I, I? I don't think I originally killed him. And he's like, you know, this goes a little bit too smooth. You need to throw a few more roads blocks. So yeah, oh. you know. So shout out to the editing team for all of them. Uh, Schmetzer, exact, especially. I, I would not be the writer I am today without Jason's guidance. Um, and then Phil and John, who picked up the reins. Um, they know when to let me run, but they also sit there and smack me around properly. You know, hey, this is a little bit too nice, a little bit too easy. You know, beat them up a bit more. Roger, Roger. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, I love that story. I love, um... you know, I also love, yes, I do my research. I'm quite sure I'm on a federal watch list for this because then they're Googling how much money's in the Philadelphia thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that that comment yeah. made me laugh. But you're not a real writer unless yeah. you're on at least one watch list. Um, every writer will tell you that. Exactly. Um, I respect that. Oh, oh, one of the things I love is like fleshing out pieces of the universe. Um, especially like in that era, that era is the, the ending of the personally owned battle mechs versus the army owned battle mechs. 
And so that unit actually, I, I, that, that unit is taken from a source book. And it's Sethrin to said that, you know, essentially the Lyrans reclaimed all of their mechs and they were left with bare bones. So I kind of fleshed that out to see what it would look like. But, you know, I love when I can flesh out little eras like that. And then, you know, this is just me. But then, yeah, I'll see on the forums, people are like, has there ever been a story? Has it ever been talked about how, when, the era? And, like, have you read any of my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Has this ever been described? Yeah, I wrote that about 10 years ago. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, Read a book, Dave. I swear exactly. to God. Exactly. There are people... I know the title for this episode now. The, the Valhalla Club gets obscure. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sometimes yes. it's like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm with tears in my eyes. Please read something written after Y2K. You know, just... You know. <laughs> totally. Oh, no, man. man. You guys are just old. I'm sorry. You, you, know, you young fellers. Geriatric squad. You don't know what it's like. Yeah. You're old too, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh, and I, I appreciate everybody, you know, saying their love for my stories. Um, I, I, it's it, it's heartwarming. I am not a novelist. You know, I am not the stackpole. I just kind of crank out stories here and there and just kind of keep the, the lights on while the other people are writing the big stuff, you know? So I, I appreciate everybody really enjoying my stuff. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting writing style, you know, from what I've noticed with, with my work on the sourcebook side of things compared to a short story kind of writing compared to even a novel type writing, you know, where you've got a hundred thousand words to play with, you know, compared to a five, yep. six, seven thousand word kind of cap. So there's there's definitely a lot of a different style you have to kind of get your brain into to write stuff yep. like that. Um what do you think about uh where is your comfortability level at as far as novels versus short stories um. kind of thing? I would like to crack at a full-length novel. I am very good, I think, in like the 12,000-word area. That's the size of the, uh, the two light horse stories, the third light horse story. Um, it just kind of, that seems where about where I get flesh out all the people properly and then kill half of them. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, 7,000 is just... Battletech books require death. I just try to tell a good story. Um, some stories are romping space opera, and some Battletech is a, a huge genre-wise. You know, so some stories are just fun romping. You know, I, I write a heist story, I write a football story, but then there's the ones that are more military sci-fi, and people die in the army. It's just it's part of war. You know, it goes back to Mash. You know, rules one and two. So, yeah, uh, Ken, you had something on here about revisiting Hans Davian. Oh, I'm well, always curious about Hans Davian. Well, yes. Because bias, so you, know, you wrote <laughs> yep. irreplaceable. Back in like seven. Um, about yeah, and that's uh, you know, Hans Davian and uh, Dennis. Oh, Arden's in there. You get a lot of good Arden Sortek stuff. That uh, yeah, story rules. I feel like that's like a fan favorite. You know, I hear that 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 gets whispered. It's like oh, irreplaceable. That's the one with the. Uh, it's very sad. It's a uh, what is it? Yep. Uh, Halstead Station. Battle of Halstead. Battle Station. Of Halstead. And I yep. think Hans goes on to become known. I. I and elsewhere, where he's like, oh, the victor of Halstead Station. And uh, you see this story. It totally works, though. It, uh, I was like, man, it is, it's very affecting. And then, you know, because that was very early on. And then we get No We and Mercenary, 
And I'm like, oh, he's doing, uh, we got Hans again. I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, you get to revisit Hans Davian, uh, you know, over 10 years later. Um, Is that cool? Absolutely. Uh, Uh, But uh, it wasn't originally supposed to have him in it at all. I was sitting there writing the story about that particular battle, and I came across a continuity landmine. Colonel Colonel Winston, (laughs) whose his first name is forgetting, skipping me right now. He in the source book, the Fourth Succession War source book by Fassa, he died. But then in the later, in the later Light Horse stories during the, uh, you know, the attack Task Force Serpent, General General Winston shows has a picture of him on like her counter or something like that, and he actually dies like in fifty three or fifty five or something like that. And it was a continuity error that nobody had noticed for like twenty years. So I brought it up to Phil. I'm like, okay, you know, and like, you know, you don't bring up a problem unless you have some solution. So I'm like, okay, this is a continuity error, you know, and it's never been noticed. But if I write this story, it's going to be. I'm like, I can do a couple of different things. I can do one is a is like a duplicate or the original source book error, or I can say this was a massive cover up, you know. And Phil's like, go with that one. I'm like, good, because that way, you know. Because I was also limited because he was the only person in the fastest source book that has died. And you're, when you're having a regimental combat team fight a warrior house and uh-huh. only one person dies from a heart attack, I mean, I was, it was becoming very difficult yeah. to write anyways. So I'm like, all right, well. Sounds yeah. like propaganda So I'm like, okay, well, now that the kid gloves uh-huh. are off and I declare this a, you know, a cover-up, I can kill a whole bunch of people. <laughs> So, that rules. But so yes. Hans came back into the story You're cutting because between... somebody has to declare this a cover-up. Yeah. Somebody has to be powerful enough to sit there and say, no, we're going we're gonna to lie in our own source book. Because remember that the source book's an in-universe publication. So, yeah, so right. it had to be Hans. I, I, I had to come back. I had to go back to the well again, which isn't really my thing. I don't do a lot of sequels. I don't think I've done a sequel. So going back to him was kind of like, well, I have to do this. So. Um, but I did love it because, you know, Hans is a lot of things in my stories. I think I've probably written almost as many words as, you know, I'm not as many as Stackpole, but I'm definitely probably more than most. Um, and you've seen him upset, you've seen him sad, but this was in pissed and that was fun to write. And I also think that, uh, voice actor nailed it when Hans is like, there's no we in mercenary, but there is me. Yeah, that line came up when I was sitting yes. there thinking about the discussion about the cover-up. Yeah. You know, I was going to sit there and say, General Armstrong's like, well, we don't really do cover-ups. You know, well, luckily, there's no we in Mercenary. You'll do what the hell I pay you for. So, you know, that's where the, the title came from as I started weaving in what the, the scene would look like. You see, he's yeah. like, that's not how we do business. Like, business was, I think I love Hans is like, if I was a betting man, and Quintus is like, you are yeah. a betting man. And he's like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. If you, if you, it. Look at the story that, you know, he sits there and he pulls out this title for a moon and he's inviting her with a plus one. And yeah. he, he yeah. Hans knows every single thing that happened. You know, as he's sitting there saying, we've got your, we've pulled your recordings. We got your voice transcripts. He knows everything that happened. And, you know, that's why the moon is good for fishing because he knows who she likes, you know, the, the proposal, you know, the plus he and gives the plus one. Yeah, he's, he's called the fox for a reason. Oh. He knew exactly everything that happened, and he wanted to hear it from their lips. So, yeah, that whole sequence, he, you know, you are betting that. That was quippy, but yeah, he, he had that in that drawer for a reason. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay, that rules. That's yeah, a really you know, good I story. To the, I, those are, I put the, sometimes some of my stories have stuff like that in them for readers to find and figure out on their own. So, you know, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, Hans knew every single <laughs> thing that had happened on that planet before they walked in that door. Of course. Of course. Yep. It's the fox. Mm-hmm. He the is best. the fox, man. He's the best. Yeah, writing him just pissed <laughs> off. Um, I'm biased. Fine. Um, Jason, uh, so how do you, how do you, uh, it's just my <laughs> talk of shit. <laughs> how do you, um, how do you get most of your stories out there? Is it usually pitches that you do or is it stuff that's assigned or how does that, how does Lately, that come all come into play? Um, they send out every so often they, the, the editing team will send out a, a solicitation, you know, dear Battletech writers and they'll have everybody on the list. And they'll be like, um, excuse me, you know, we are looking for, we're, you know, we're going to write like the ELH anthology. We're going to write an anthology based on the light horse. This is the, the basic premise. We would like pitches on, you know, they listed all the different battles and they said uh, they'd like multiple pitches if possible, you know, pitch on different ones in case other people. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you sit there and you pitch on the solicitation and then they assign you which one you're going to get. So, and I don't always get one for like, I pitched for Tookiet and I did not get selected. Um, so, I mean, it's just because I've been writing doesn't mean I have like any more sway in the process of, you know, somebody else's pitch was better. And it was the, the Tookiet story where the con winners is sitting there, you know, trying to kill Fox. That's amazing story. Absolutely. I would have picked it over my own pitch. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, Phil and John, they know their business. So yeah. Um, have you ever. Have you ever pitched anything thinking, eh, you know what? I don't know what this is going to go. I don't know if I even want to write this. Uh, that was 100% gets accepted. what happened with the Light Horse story. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Huntress story, No Dust, No Where, I, like I said, I had that completely scripted out in my head when I had the pitch in. I knew how that story was going to flow. The other one, I'm like, I can do this. You know, a big regimental fight. I, I like this. I, I, and, and yeah, when the, the came back, you know, yeah, you've, you've got two stories. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and more than that, they had originally nice. mistyped the date. So I'm like, okay, so I have three weeks to write the first story. Okay, then. <laughs> so luckily, I ended up with more time. They, they pushed out the right schedule. But uh, yeah, there were some days of where I was sitting there drinking like a beer, a coffee, a water, and then repeat. You know, I was just typing like a madman. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only story that I was actually surprised where I thought my pitch wasn't the strongest, but I, I thought it was a good pitch, you know, and I'm like, I can make this story work. I'm like, I was, but I was hoping for hunters and I ended up with both but saying that I love that story. I love the combined arms feel of it. You know, I love showing, you know, calling in air support, calling in, you know, tanks and all of it. So the, the, the infantry, so I think it turned out well. Yes. It's a Merlin. Yeah. I was they so excited about that. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. I wanted to, I wanted, I didn't think anybody had put a Merlin on screen before. I'm like, heck yeah. So I, I, I wrote it in. And then, uh, I am super proud of that character. She, uh, because I was digging into the original Periphery First Edition, uh, you know, Rowan Atwire, Atwire. She, um, and that religion is listed in the original Periphery source book, but it kind of like disappears in later editions. Yeah, like yeah, with Gregorianism. The, the poly- yeah, or- the Gregorianism poly- And I'm like, you know what? <clears throat> this was canon in 3025, so I'll put it in here. But more than that, 
I wanted to show, in, you know, because of all the worlds that humanity is going to be spreading to, there's going to be differences in religion. There's going to be different marriages and different things, like those little things on different worlds that we don't really see a lot of. And then the idea of using jewelry as, you know, like uh, bra- barrettes as engagement rings. I, 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 I don't know where that came from, probably the liquor. But <laughs> I really liked it because I sat there and I was uh-huh. looking, and I don't think anybody else has really done that in sci-fi. So, you know, I try to do really unique things like that. So I like if I, I like a lot of your stories because you, you, always, you like to pepper in scenes of the characters just, like, hanging out. You know, it's not just, like, plot, 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 plot. It's like, he, like in a lot of your stories, it's like, here's a scene. They're just, like, chilling. They're just chatting and just, like, being characters. I love it. Those are some Thank of my you. favorite moments. I've been lucky that I've had the space in some of my stories to do that. Um, You know, sometimes the words are tight and you don't get that, but it's not war all the time. I mean, there's that famous quote, war is uh, periods of boredom punctuated by moments of terror. You know, that's really what I think this (laughs) Battletech is. You know, a lot of boredom, a lot of sitting around and waiting, and then all of a sudden, it's war on a scale that's almost unimaginable. Yeah. Um... All right, so there's a note in here about audiobooks. Who's who's talking uh, about that? Well, I was going to add, I've kind of okay. already, because I, I was like, oh, did you listen to the, did yeah. you like, you know. I, I, uh, I've I been trying, know. you know, and the yeah. Battletech is, they're like sending out audiobooks like every five minutes now with the Kickstarter. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks, honestly. Um, it just, a lot of audiobooks kind of have like that old-timey radio feel to them, but I really did enjoy yeah. listening to the Light Horse one. Um. There's another mech, the Bungle Tech, and he sat there and read part of my uh, Airs Above. He read like the first third of it on his podcast, and I thought he did a magnificent job. It was it was fascinating hearing yeah. my story read aloud like that. Just shout out to him. Just it, he made it. F- I mean, I wrote the stupid story. I know every word of that story, and he made it feel like I was experiencing it in a different way. So. So I'm I'm kind of digging the audiobooks. Um, I'm trying to get more into them. So while while you were talking, Jason, I went through and looked at uh, what had been recently released on Audible, and on the 28th, the uh, No Greater Honor right. anthology was released. Yeah. So for anybody out there that's looking for a new audiobook to listen to, that just came out on Audible. Yes, and shout out to the voice actors in that in that anthology. They they did an amazing job. Yeah, they're really good. So, I have a quick um, question for you. Um, before John, Jason. So, like in the beginning of BattleTech, right? There's like some people who kind of like write BattleTech, the Battle Max yeah. as being like walking tanks, and then there's some people who kind of write it like World War II infantrymen, but they're in a giant yeah. robot. You know what I mean? And there's always like like reading some of the books, like there's different takes on that. And I think even now it's kind of ambiguous, like how they behave. Like, where, where do you kind of land on that? Like, do you view them as like the the the, like the mechanized element of a force. Oh, I see. I see or... what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's battle tech doesn't really line up a lot with modern military doctrine. <laughs> they're kind of all of it, you know. Um, no. So yeah, I, they're kind of like walking tanks, battle mechs. Um, for the pilots, and this is me. This is me personally. I unless the character is deliberately written as a mercenary, like mercenary brats or stuff like that, where there's a lot less military decorum. Every mech warrior and every scene I try and write, I try and write where nobody is stupid, you know, because these are all military officers. They've all gone up through the academy. They've they've all had years of training. 
they might make military mistakes. They might turn left when they're supposed to turn right. But there's nothing. They're not dumb. So that's just me personally, though. You know, I try to write all the mech warriors as professionals. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it answers a different question, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are no stupid <laughs> officers in the military. That's just not possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody's yeah, got 10%. Hey, you said, you said it's not me. <laughs> no, they're, they're dumb officers, but they're not unprofessional ones. At least not the I try not to write them that way, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. I yeah. do have to remember that Battletech is not the Army. Uh, in the uh, Those Who Stand High, the officer, she, she beds down and she has sex with, you know, the civilian. She's like, you know what? I'm going to get laid yeah. tonight. That would 100% be a court-martial yeah. offense in pretty much any army in the world. <laughs> um, but not Battletech. Battletech's yeah. like, you know, hey, get, get it, girl. So, yeah. With a civilian, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. As long as that yeah. one does so, filthy enlisted. I do have to respect myself every so often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the army's not hard, you know? Don't get a DUI. Oh, don't yeah. bang your Joes, you know? <laughs> you can retire from it if you disobey two things. Pretty simple. So, oh, oh yeah, it's a uh, it's that dude's yeah. son though. I look, I remember that. I, I like that scene. He he like pulls up in the truck and he pulls out and his, he's got like look, old Comstar papers. Yeah. If you like, look Comstar, in yeah. the Battle of Terra source book, there was a fight at Gunnison. They got trapped because the stupid Gunnison garrison was locked. And there's like a list of about seven mech warriors. He's on the list, and he's in a stalker. Yeah, no, no way. Deep cut. Let's go. <laughs> That My stories are full of deep cuts that people never find, but yeah. I'm feeling like you're the Easter egg king, man. Yeah. Man, that's, man. that's incredible, dude. Think, that's awesome. I think people need to reread some things and, and really think about them instead of just going, oh, this is kind of neat. There's, there's some stompy robots there. Mm -hmm. Let me shoot those things, you know. Read a book, Dave. Exactly. Read a book. Like, you know, trial most acceptable will make you think. I am cool. amazed at the reception yeah. that story like, has oh. gotten. Just, I am so thrilled. <laughs> it's, uh, I did, I read it, I was like, protomechs are cool, dude. This guy's awesome. With the way you describe, like, how they're inside and how they have all the imaging and stuff and, and how they're, like, yeah. sharing, like, mind space and they're, like, dying together. I love that. I was, that like, was another enthralled editorial pushback. with the protomechs. I had kind of written them more as, like, big elementals. Uh, we're kind of halfway between elementals and, and yeah. battle mechs. And Phil pushed back. He's like, this isn't working. He's like, they're different. Reread these sections about the EI system and, you know, rewrite it. And I was really just like beating my head against the table. Like, I'm like, how, how? And I'm like, okay, if I was writing in a different universe, what would I do? You know, if I was writing in like yeah. uh, another cyberpunk universe and I'm like, you know, uh, and then I, I came up with the idea they can feel each other, they see and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this full sci-fi. I'm going to push this until they tell me to stop. Yeah. And I am 100% thrilled. And anybody who likes the story should, you know, give a shout out to Phil Lee because his pushback made the story better. And yeah, made Protomex something unique. They're totally different from anything else in the Battletech universe now. And they shouldn't be allowed on the table because they're <laughs> bastards. Uh, that one's in, if anyone yeah. wants to know, that, that one's in shrapnel yeah. number 10. I started writing that. Yeah. Screw Protomex. <laughs> There was a lack, though, of angrily, you know, wag swatting your tails and cat noises. I'll say that much. <laughs> there was another good no. much story uh, in the last shrapnel. Um, <laughs> I think Jeff Swift wrote yeah, it. The last, yeah, the uh, Talked about the last Protomech pilot. Yeah. That was, was kind of neat, too. You yep. know, 
in the Delphine. That mm-hmm. one was cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, like the stuff almost acceptable. The, the fans have really enjoyed it. They've they really have kind of like, wait, Hell's Horses are kind of cool? The spicy Kelpies? Am I a fan now? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what I mean. Sometimes you think you don't care. I don't care about a faction or a unit or whatever. And then I read a story and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like, actually, yeah, I, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you kind of jump on the bandwagon based on what your experience is with them. You know, I remember being an Icelandian fan for a little while back in like 04, nice. 05. <laughs> yeah. Um, the more the more they flesh out the different factions, the better because it gets people away from the Canopian obsession. There's <laughs> definitely that. Ben, why are you so worried about the Canopians? Because it's weird. I'm sorry, David. It's, I, I yeah. think it's Canopian. I'm like, what does Obi Wan have to do with this? <laughs> Is that you guys are you know more plugged into the like the scene is there i didn't realize is there a, a large contingent of canopian players is that a thing? no they're not a large contingent of canopian players it's just a large contingent of players or people fans that are obsessed with cat girls and it's weird uh yes i see <laughs> one is two more uh yes the cat girls yes yeah all from one art one line in like one, one source book <laughs> yeah yeah interesting Mm, I got butterflies. I'm gonna run with it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you would, John. I, I want to say he mentioned the, the periphery, yep. like uh, first edition, that book. Uh, I actually I got a PDF. You can get find a PDF of that on the Catalyst store. That's a pretty good scan. Yes. The physicals are hard to yes. find. That book rules. If anyone's yeah. listening, check the it, the the art is like crazy. It's so cool. It's got that heavy metal. Everything looks yeah. so heavy metal. It's Absolutely. like, it's such a cool book. And there's a lot of text. I haven't read the whole thing. It's like, oh man, there's like, yeah, a, it, there's it's, like a lot in here. It's, and, uh, it's, a, it's a really cool book. Yeah, when you, when you dive into a lot of those old source books, especially like the original house books, the original Star League book, the original periphery book, the art in there is quintessentially yes. 80s type art, you know? <laughs> It rules. And but there's so much information in there about like the social structures and the and the, the religious aspects of every great house and everything like that. And yeah, those guys were, it, they were going wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. That was the wild west back then. Yeah. You know, between since we got all the lore guys on, my, my impression is Battletech has like remarkably little retconning for especially for how long it's been running. Like compared yeah. to like Star Trek or like Star Wars, like do you guys think that's true too, no, or no, um, am I just ignorant? It has remarkably little retcon, especially because because most source books are written in universe. Like when you find an error, I can rec- I can fix it, you know, or or the other writers can fix it, or it can come out in a rec guide and be fixed. So yeah, I think the 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 continuity stuff kind of gets smoothed over just because it's like oh well they just mistranslated it or oh they weren't there in the room so yeah there's there's some of that where i i ran into it when i wrote the turning points that like i had to tie two units together that had been mentioned as being part of the same thing or just different areas at different times yeah. and so i had to kind of tie those things in together and that that's the retcon is somebody makes a new book and goes let's yeah. make sure you tie those things up you know and, and cross that cross that t on that uh jason um so i added a question in here that i didn't prep you for um <laughs> what uh with the oakland era coming out and a lot of this new resurgence of battletech and and the the fiction 
with the Ill Clan era, are there any stories that you're you want to tell? I yes, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll split this into two. One, I've been very lucky. I can't talk much about it, but I made a pitch to Ray during Gen Con in the Ill Clan era, and they said yes. And I, I submitted that to John right before. I mean, I literally flew down here to Texas and then edited it one more time and sent it in. I have no idea when it's going to come out. I, I, I it's, it's all mystery to me. You know, I'm just a freelancer. I'm, I'm super excited, though. I think people will dig it. Uh, so I'm, I'm thrilled for that one. And the other half of the question is yes. Um, in a perfect world, I would love to tell the story of whatever's going on with the Lyrans. I have no idea what's going on with the Lyrans. <laughs> CGL, for those who aren't, in, you know, they, they, we, it's like the French Maquis. Everything is in cells. I'm, I'm just a freelancer, so I'm told nothing. <laughs> so I have no idea what right. is going on in the universe. I, I, there's me, the writer, and there's me, the fan. And as a fan, I'm just as excited as anybody else. So, but yes, if, if I had my druthers, if, you know, somebody came to me and said, okay, you can write any novel you want, that would be the story I would love to tell. So, but I am excited. Um, about the, the era. I'm excited about the direction. Uh, I am, I know there's a lot of controversy about Dominion's Divided. Just kind of people feel like, like kind of the ghost birds are done dirty that should have been fleshed out a little bit more. I would love to do more fleshing out. You know, I'm, ex- I'm excited about the whole yeah. universe and everything going on. And I can't wait to see what comes next. And I, I'm hoping to be part of it too. You know, I'm going to need to be set of Yeah, we'll I say based. Based off the stuff I've read recently, because I'm like bouncing back and forth between like OG books yeah. and current books, which can mess with your brain timeline a little bit. Uh, but between for for the current era, we've gotten a lot of information from the Wolf Empire, the Jade Falcon Occupation Zone, uh, the Rasahog Dominion, Ghost Bear Dominion, whichever one you want to call it's it. The Ghost Bear, um, it's the Rasahog Dominion. We've had. The CGL is very, like, factions evolve or factions die, you know, and so, in, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're the Dominion. It's so, it, they're, they're not no longer the Ghost Bears nor the yeah. Sohag Republic. They're something unique and new now, so. Yeah, the Ghost Bears are now the, mm-hmm. the military element of the Rasahog. Yeah. Um, and then with, uh, we've also got new information for the... Yep. Uh, Federated Sons and the uh, Chaconis Combine through oh, <laughs> what book yeah. is that? Damocles I just read it. Yes, Damocles. Damocles. Yeah. Uh, and then we've had some relatively current. I don't. I, I may be missing a few books. Um, information from the Liao yeah. region of the Sphere. Yeah. Um, at least prior to the Battle for Terra. But we haven't. No, I don't think we. I don't no. think we've had a lot of information that, for the Lyrans. That is the question. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. yes, the the Lyrans also. But yeah, because in Tamar Rising, they kind of touch a little bit that Trillian is kind of in the weeds. Yeah, but it doesn't really. Yeah, right? it's, it, it focuses mostly on the Alenium Mercantile yeah. League and the Vesper marches and. Yeah, whatnot. it's it's on their their borders essentially, but not like yeah, the right. Lyrans themselves. Yeah. But also, Which, they're going through some shit for sure. What was that? But yeah, the, the that is the question. I'm always like, what are the Capellans up to, dude? Sneaky stuff. You know, I what's bet. going on over there? It's uh, <laughs> it's suspicious. Yeah, it's it's suspicious. Yeah, because uh, 
I think I the most covered it's it's pork schnapps or I'm sorry pork schnitzel and exactly. depression for the lyra. Because <laughs> the most recent stories we have from the Capellan region that I'm aware of, and I could be behind because I'm very behind, was the the Highlander stories prior to the Terra invasion, yeah. right? Like I'm, pr- I'm pretty yeah. sure that's With the most recent snippet in the. I want to say it's Michael Cirovella's new Highlander part of the Merc Tales. You know that they're they're sending just waves of mercenaries. The Merc yeah. Tales are great. I uh, yeah yeah. I loved Randall's story. Mm-hmm. It's funny that my story was the second time that Randall had a kind of a quiet political story because it also happens in No Greater Honor. Randall's story is directly in front of mine. He's got kind of a quiet political story, and then I just kick in the door and throw in a frag grenade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Innocent, innocent. Yes. Comma. I had to fight for that comma. Good. Yeah. The yeah. good comma. Yeah. I really, comma. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was. Uh, I was. Yes. Yeah. That. that Very good. So the current Ilkland era black, uh, black areas of knowledge is the Lyrans and, and the Capellans. Uh, Terra. And right. Yeah, because right. he ain't talking to nobody. There's a whole source book on yeah. Empire. I don't know. Maybe it's um, and, and, alone. And see, it, it's kind of nice <laughs> yeah. because you know I can sit here and drink a beer and be on a podcast, and I can't spoil anything because I don't know anything. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. The beauties of being a freelancer, man. <laughs> We're here for you, bud. <laughs> it's, it's like a resistance cell. It's like if they capture him, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, one final question off our list, and then we'll open it up to any additional questions we got going on. Uh, Jason, do you have any advice for up-and-coming writers, new writers, how to um, how to write? Yes. Um, okay. In order to write well, you need to read. So, for anybody who wants to write Battletech, read. If you want to submit to Shrapnel, read the Shrapnels. Um, I love Mike Stackpole. I've met him. I, you know, I, I was like fangirling so hard. Um, but Mike Stackpole's trilogy is not going to set you up for success to write a 5,000 word shrapnel story. Read the shrapnels. Um, read the vibe. Right. Get the vibe of the universe. Get the vibe of how short a story can be. So to write well, you have to read well. Um, number two, have a thick skin. Everybody gets their first stories are rejected. Your, your first stories are going to suck. I'm sorry for anybody out there who thinks that you are going to write amazing stories right out the bat. No, you're going to suck. Um, <laughs> it's just the name of the game. Nobody, yep. no, no great writer, yep. their first stories were reaching. You know, if you can find a, fa- a group of friends to sit there and read your stuff. Like I said back in the beginning of this podcast, me and Craig Reed were in a group of potential biotech writers. We read each other's stuff. We gave advice. We gave, hey, this is not working. You know, cut this, trim this, go with this, and see where it takes you. So find some friends, um, and then obey the submission guidelines. Um, there's going to be a new guideline added in, I believe. Uh, Phil noticed it wasn't in the boilerplate. Shrapnel does not want your 47-piece novel. You know, they don't want your cereal. They don't. It, <laughs> it, it, one and done. Yeah. If if Phil likes it and he thinks that there's more to go, then he'll ask you, hey, give me a sequel on this. Um, like I said, that has been that was a long-standing Battlecore rule. And that's one of the reasons why I don't have any sequels. Because Schmetzer would have kicked him back in an instant. It, it was a Battlecore. It was, it was on the submission page for Battlecore. And for whatever reason, it's not in Shrapnel. But uh, yeah, no sequels. One and done. You know, don't tell the story of your character. We don't care. 
don't, you know, we, nobody wants to sit there and read your story about how you and Natasha Kerensky are going to make out by Lake Erie or whatever, you know, you know. <laughs> and uh, tell an honest story and tell small stories. Um, sometimes I still can't believe I got away with irreplaceable. I, if, if I, if I'd had any sense in my brains, I would not have submitted a Hans Davian story it's, until I had like 10 years it's under my such belt. such a huge swing. It is. I, I, I swing for yeah. the fences because I was too dumb to know I shouldn't be swinging for the fences. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm kind of the exception that proves the rule. Don't do it. Uh, find a small story. And even in big battles, the Battle of Hesperus, which was like 13 or 18 of, you can tell the story about a lance. You can tell the story about a tanker. Um, find a small story and tell that honest story. So yeah. I guess that would be my advice. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I agree with a hundred percent of that. Um, you know, your first story is is going to get kicked back. You know, it's going to have different stuff that you have to kind of consider and think about. Um, and the only other thing I'd say, if if yes, do your research. You know, you hit on the net, on the head with 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 reading, reading the universe, reading the stuff. But but do your research because. The, the story is going to go from, once it gets yep. past the editors, it's going to go to the fact check guys. And the fact check guys do an awesome job of just kind of picking apart the story going, this doesn't line up with the timeline, or this mech wasn't there, or this vehicle wasn't available, or, you know, to this faction. And, so and that so is make sure you do your research. huge, because there are some stories that get kicked back because they're just, con- you, you can't tell that story in that time period with that. And then there's some stories that with significant rewriting, it could be fixed. But then the editor has to decide, am I going to sink my energy? Because, you know, Phil, the editor of Shrapnel, he's only got so many spoons. He's only got so many hours in the day. You know, and if you come in with a piece that's decent, but is a fact-check nightmare, does he want to dedicate his time and the fact-check time to your story when there's another story right there in the queue that's better and continuity? So, yeah. You, you are spot on, dude. Uh, do your research. Get it as close as you can. Everybody makes mistakes. I did. My first draft of uh, Innocent Defenseless, yep. I, I, my brain dis, uh, flipped two numbers for when a year of a mech came out. I, I, I want to say it was a Spartan, and I had a mm. Spartan in there. And they're like, ooh, that comes out nine years later. I'm like, damn it. So I had to. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, everybody makes mistakes. You know, even I'll still make the small continuity errors. But you're, you want to get it professional level. This is a job. Um, when you decide to become a writer, you've decided to do homework for the rest of your life. You know, in every single pitch, you, you are asking yeah. for a part-time job. Dear Phil and John, I want to work for you. I will be professional. Please pay me money for my writing. You don't come in with some junk. You know, you wouldn't sit there and walk into a, a regular job like that. R- writing, Catalyst is a company. They, they they pay real money and they want good writing, you know. So if you treat it with like a job, you treat it with respect, and you do the best job you can at writing, you know, then you'll you'll do it. Just keep working at it. Sorry, that's my soapbox. <laughs> a lot of people. Great advice. Many, a lot of people are like, no, no worries, man. About writing no worries. That was real. I'm like, well, then do it. You know, I'm like, but <laughs> do it. Yeah, it's like I told somebody couple weeks ago i was like you know the hardest part about yes. writing is really just sitting down and and starting to write you know That's even if it's about to bring up yeah yeah even if it's just you know just just put stuff on a page outline what you want to do and 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 start from there and you people know? think it's easy so, until they try it people think it's the 
you know, it's all you know, cigars and glory over here. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah, fifty yeah. percent of writers make less than five thousand dollars a year. So do not quit your day job. Just... No, <laughs> yeah. do not do that. Yeah. I'm in Texas for do my real job. I'll be writing after the podcast so. for you know for the fun job. Yeah. Great advice. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our our questions. Uh, does anybody have any additional save rounds on this? Any other questions that they want to pop in? I'll open the floor. I think I got everything. What did I? My notes. Yeah, the only story I've read, and my apologies, Jason. <laughs> the only story of yours that I've read so far is The Third Pillar. And again, I loved it. It's a good uh, one. But I'm, I started reading uh, Battletech novels two-ish years ago, and I'm not a fast reader by any means. My wife is five hundred times faster than I when it comes to reading. <laughs> she can read a whole Stephen King novel in a day. Just like, go on a deployment. Yeah, oh my god. But yeah, so I've only read one story of yours so far. I thank you, buddy. And I loved it's it. One of my, it's one of my personal heartfelt favorites. That's so a bit, it means a lot. That's what's so cool about the short stories there, right? You don't have to like choke down like a whole novel. You know? It's just like, yeah, man. You just sit down for an hour and just... Uh, I always think of it like my little, it's like, man, you play like a whole Battletech movie in your head, you know, just like, just, just sit down at the, uh, I love it. I love the short story format. Yeah. Perfect. If, if, uh, people want to like, haven't read any of your stories, Jason, and they want to get started, which one would you suggest? I would point them towards no greater honor. Honestly, like, you know, if they, if like Mike hasn't read a lot of the, the Battletech stuff, I think no greater honor. Huh? Following a unit from the beginning all the way to the Ilkhanir gives you a great spread of both the Battletech timeline and different feels from different writers. So that you know, I'm I'm getting there. <laughs> I have it. No, I'm just not in it yet. <laughs> I know what I'm going to be listening to for the next week on my drives oh, to work. Yeah, yeah exactly. And That's it's good. an audiobook. Yeah, read, you can, you can Dave. There is read um, from. Yeah, there is an audiobook. Find a way to create more time in the day, and I will read more. <laughs> Use then, your eyeballs. Whichever anthology has irreplaceable um, in it is a good one. Frontlines. Uh, I, front I think lines. there's a Kevin Kalani one in there too. Yeah. Which... Frontlines also uh, both. Uh, sorry. Right. Uh, something more and okay. Well, then I guess that's my second choice. <laughs> I'm better at this than I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> was I did I look? I have one note. Yeah. I wasn't gonna look. I was just trying to go with the flow. Yeah. I was going to ask about old rules of hire from Trap and Late. Um, that that uh, that story rules with it's the um, what is it? It's like this chess match. It's like the two commanders and he's like leaving notes for her. Oh, because they're like, oh, they're not supposed to be here. They're like in the water when they show up. There's like spotters like under the ice, and uh, I love this whole like chess match situation. And then they're uh, my favorite when she brings the mechs out. And they're like marching in like a strange formation. And the guy's like, what is this? And the dude's like, he's like, oh, I know this. They're crossing the T, sir. And he's like, what? And he's like, it's like an old Navy thing. And he's like, what? How do we uh, uh, like uh, uh, counteract it? And he's like, I don't know, submarines? It usually works. I was like, this is so good. Um, (laughs) That one was really hard Uh, to write because when you have two commanders and the that the the Lao commander whose name I can't remember I think Song, she's she's listed in the source books as teaching at yeah. the academies. So she is one of their best. 
She's the cutting edge of doctrine. And you've got this other guy who is absolutely top of the line, oh. best of the best, and they're fighting each other. So I wanted to tell this story about two commanders trying to outwit each other. But that means I have to be smarter than both to write it. So <laughs> it was a great story and fun story to write. Yeah. But it was hard because I had to come up with new ideas for two characters to outwit each other. You know, because I, I knew how I wanted it to end. But getting there was very tricky because it, it had to work. Like, you, you know, crossing the T thing, it, it has to work for the readers. It all had to make sense. Everything they were doing, it, it needed to make sense and be honest to the readers because otherwise the whole story falls apart. So it was that was tricky to write. Well, Jason, you could always integrate Klausowitz into uh, into some of your <laughs> I, stories. I am a Jimini fan, my friend. Mass, <laughs> mass overcomes. Mm. Bombers get through. And for anyone who doesn't Locked know, I'm referring to uh, "On yes. War" by Karl von Klausowitz. It's a required reading okay. for yeah. army officers. You know, us army officers. Yes, it's and so it's awful. Read the no, it's not. Wait, it's great information, uh, son, but God, it sucks to read. My, my Wait, son you wanted you read when uh, you? Read? I was being paid my, my to son read it. So. Asked for a copy of Sun Tzu's Art of War for Christmas, and so we got him a copy, right? And he's been reading it and memorizing it and citing it, and it is very frustrating. <laughs> oh, that's from Chapter Seven. You should. Oh, you, everyone's you should getting just, the Art of War. Yeah, this started now. Yeah, dude. That's, it's so funny when I say, it's like, we'll send you a copy of The Art of War, annotated by Jamie Wolfe. I was like, excuse me? Like, this is, this yes. that is going on my desk at work, just because I want to make sure that people see it, and they think that I'm super, like, well-read, Smart. and they'll look at it closely, and they'll be like, wait a minute, that's Battletech. It's a game I'm, thing. I'm super interested in these Jamie Wolfe cliff notes of The Art of War, 100%. I'm curious to know who's writing it, <laughs> you know? I have no clue. Like I said, Marquis. Right. Was uh, Clausewitz the war's uh, diplomacy bother me? Yes. Or is that someone else? Yes, Clausewitz. Yeah, good guy. Of course, those Germans would think that. Damn right. Well, I guess that's probably a pretty good transition into uh, the Kickstarter. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, probably that wraps up our main medal. Um, let's move into the uh, returning report. So, yeah, let's just go around the table and talk about the what our first impressions are with the Kickstarter launch of last Friday and uh, what we think about the stretch goals. So let's start it off with Matt, since I know Matt's been kind of quiet. I'm here. I'm here. Um, let's, are, you, are you? I am 100%. Uh, I, <laughs> I was excited for the Kickstarter, but I, I think I may have a different the gist on it than some people that have maybe complained a little bit. I, w- I was more about kind of supporting kind of development for the future, and I know that some of the Kickstarter money at least will go towards that. Uh, I am looking forward to all the getting all the new minis, but uh, I yeah I, I'm not too concerned about like oh, I need like I need my minis to be one dollar cheaper than. And I can get them at the store or something like that. So initially, I'm just excited to get all the vehicles, uh, all the new plastic, because I like to have that that mound of gray just sitting on my desk over there. Um, other because how else would we have a pile of shame segment I know, I... without <laughs> the pile of shame? And I've got <laughs> right? I've got over a year to to com- you know to, to whittle through what I've got here. So I I still have clan invasion stuff that's just primed yeah. and has been sitting in my garage for over a year. I mean I I'm 
I'm just really excited for the continuation of the momentum driven by the clan invasion Kickstarter. And so I, I bought in at Regiment. I, it is kind of odd that there's no differentiation between uh, battalion and regiment. That is something that I think is odd. Otherwise, I'm just excited to, to buy into things. And then for me, myself, like all the stretch goals is just like free stuff. Because I'm not like, yeah. I need to get, yeah. you know, I'm counting on the, the stretch goals to bring down my miniatures cost. That's not what I'm about. I'm about buying right. into the company and having them push more new stuff out, whether it be fiction or miniatures, whatever, whatever it is. I, I just love the universe. Really like Catalyst as a company. So I'm okay buying in at 500. It fits my kind of my financial situation. Um, whatever free stuff comes our way because of stretch goals, awesome. That that was that's my take on things. I respect it. John, any thoughts? Can't okay, marry Antoinette. Uh, I'm fine with it. I think it's just like a pre-order, right? This, this version, more or less. Yeah, that's what I'm taking it as. Yeah. Yeah. So if you view it as a pre-order, you get some free goodies for pre-ordering. Get some swag. Get some extra stuff. That's fine. It's not like um, it's as exciting as the first two because the first two were like just throwing gobs of stuff on, but then they took forever to fulfill. So, right. Um, first, you know, first not, two. What do you mean? The first two. Yeah, wasn't it the first one and then Clan Invasion? Weren't they two waves? Clan Invasion was a singular Kickstarter that had two waves, but I'm not aware of another. Get a mic, Kickstarter. Get him. <laughs> Get him. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a dick or anything. Well, I'm you succeeded. Hey, oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, two waves. My bad. I'll be honest. I'm not Here's John just trying now. to give his opinion, and then Mike jumps in and just uh, is like, I'm a uh, dick. <laughs> Bam. You're yeah. wrong. Mike's like, I waited two years for those minis. I'm I know just making sure about. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> Wait, did I miss uh, out on a Kickstarter? Yeah, I right. could have spent more money. What? <laughs> and it, no, anyways, I, I, think uh, the, uh, I think the $500 level is is really good too i i I personally don't care too much about the stretch goal stuff i just want the minis so you know lots of uh lots of salvage packs lots of box sets so i'm good with it mike you have thoughts i have thoughts um they're not ridiculous by any means i backed regiment as time has progressed over the past weekish or so, I don't know. I'm. Just, I guess I love the Kickstarter. I went Star Captain for Clan Invasion, which means I didn't get the whole like double force packs and everything else that a large majority of folks are upset about because it's not a part of this one. Because Catalyst is a company and they need to make money, and I respect that. I understand that. So I'm I'm not in it for a double force packs this that and the other. But with now I, I don't know. Um their initial stretch goals went out to two mil, right? Um clearly they under underestimated the resurgence. Slightly. That Just slightly. The cl- only only partially. The resurgence that the community and the previous Kickstarter had. And we blew 3 million within 24 hours to the point they were scrambling for additional stretch goals. And they're relatively okay, in my opinion, stretch goals. Um, the 
what was it, the two and a half mil one, where it was like you get the audiobook of of No Greater Honor. I think that's what the two and a half was. <laughs> yeah. Was was a quick fix, like, ugh, here you go. And I don't know many who were like, that's awesome. Because when you look at the stretch goals that were already established, that's clearly a quick fix band-aid. Um, I don't know. I like, I backed Regiment. I'm not going to reduce it by any means. Uh, because I did Star Captain, Clan Invasion, and I still spent all the additional money to get every single individual pack that I didn't already get through the Kickstarter. So I'm like, I'm just looking for an, I'm going to, I'm going to get it all right now. Cause I'm going to get it anyways, because I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm a slave to the IP at this point <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, all you have to do is put in another hundred twenty eight thousand dollars, and you'll get another two force packs. I'm, yeah, right. Yeah, but we're gonna but hit battalion the gets the same two force packs, and and that's where I'm getting to battalion. Yes. Ev- with ev- with with all of the stretch goals post two mil, there's no differentiation between battalion and regiment, and regiment is almost twice the pledge. Like because yeah. battalion is two seven five. Regiment's yeah. 500. And I didn't even blink. I was like, boom, I'm going 500. I'm getting my mm-hmm. regiment. Yeah. Didn't even blink. Didn't even bat an eye. But when I see all these additional stress goals, I'm like, okay, where, where, where's the love for regiment? Cause like we, we, we pledged double essentially off rip. And I just want, oh, and that's part of, part of the draw of a kickstarter right um we want our own additional unique swag and bonus and this that and the other like i get it we're getting the um the city map pack and the legends 2 book or yeah legends 2 book i think yeah but like all of the additional stretch goals that have been thrown out post haste or however however it's called i don't know i'm drinking um <laughs> uh, it just seems like everything stops at battalion. It's battalion up, battalion up. And I've seen a lot of conversation about, well, I'm going to reduce my pledge from regiment down to battalion. And I think from a business perspective and raising funds for the, I don't know, future production of product, especially during a Kickstarter, you need to give that little bit extra not even a lot, just just a little bit extra love to those that didn't even like because like and do the math. Yeah, <laughs> the regiment <laughs> is almost double the pledge, and we're getting the exact same uh, yeah. stretch goal support post two mil as battalion. Everything's battalion up, battalion up, battalion up. If you want to, if you want to, I actually will people, disagree with you, Mike. But because if you want to okay. push people to regiment, you need to give that little extra. Because now we've got a lot of people doing double battalion, which is slightly more. I will admit, which is slightly more than regiment. But I, I don't, I don't know. I just think regiment should get a little bit extra love. But I'll, I'll, I'll pass it off to you, Dave. So I guess the way I look at it is. I think it would probably come down to how many people backed at the battalion level versus how many people backed at the regiment level. 
because the different if you figure a thirty dollar per per force pack cost notional cost to what these uh new force packs are going to run because they're going to be probably all over the place from thirty to thirty five dollars. Uh, and that's another thing that I've told multiple people so far because they're like, oh, well, the previous Intersphere Force Packs was approximately $5 per mini. An Intersphere Force Pack was 20 bucks, And I'm like, okay, well, a lot has changed in three years. Inflation and all the other stuff has blown up. Um, and that's like, they, they need to account for that. And I, and I respect that. And I'm trying to, another, a lot of other people are upset that like they're not the same MSRP for four plastic minis. I'm like, well, a lot has changed since the last one. <laughs> um, like, a lot, a lot. So, I understand well, Mike's that. Mike's not passionate about this at all. <laughs> uh, I understand that, and I respect that. Um, which is why I've, I, I, I try to talk down those people from that ledge of, like, oh, well, this is more expensive. I'm not getting as much as I used to. And I'm like, okay, well, this wasn't three... Th- that was three years ago. The real this point a- that I was trying to make I'm is... Sorry. That- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> is that things the clan invasion kickstarter was unique it was one of the first kind of toe dips that catalyst took into trying the kickstarter model so i think they went almost too big with the clan invasion i think especially with yeah, the, yeah. the double the double force pack it set a precedent oh, yeah. that was untenable for the future so with the battalion and the regiment force packs, I think that the difference between six force packs versus 12 force packs plus the extra swag, I, I think that makes up for the $125 difference or $225 difference in the two levels. And I am completely okay as a, as a backer and as a player that the battalion people that are investing $275 to start are getting the same bonuses that I am because I'm in a better financial position to put $500 straight up. So I think that by giving the bonuses to both battalion level backers and regimental backers is good for the community. Yes, there's a little bit of boohoo, I didn't get more than a, than a battalion backer, but at the same time, you're still getting a whole bunch of Battletech stuff for way more than is worth at the price you're paying for it. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll even play devil advocate for my own argument, and that's I'll, now a lot of people are upset that Clan Invasion once so with the first Kickstarter Catalyst super underestimated the response and 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 everything, so they pledged or they they assigned the double force pack, and that's what now has a lot of people upset that. That's not even a thing. Um, guys, you got to remember, it's a business. Um, they also learned. It's a small company. It's a small yeah. company and it's a business. They learned from the last one where they could have made so much more money. And you got you to gotta respect. It's a business. Um, so I, I don't care about not having the double force packs for this one. I just would, would like a little bit. <laughs> extra for regiment being almost a double pledge then yeah, i mean everything everything you're getting, you're getting up, almost twice up. you're getting twice as much as a battalion you're True, getting but, double the number of force packs you're getting double the number of swag things you're getting double the number of coins the only thing it, you're not getting a double of is the stupid four inch mad cat which you get is dumb but that's think, just uh, me. the um 
regiment level, you get that encounters battle tech game that like board Oh yeah, game we do get the like encounters dice. battle tech game. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Which, you know, and and from the traffic I've seen on the discords and stuff like that, it's it's mainly I think people are in it for the minis and I get that piece of it, you know. There's a lot of that going around. But I see a lot of guys and a lot of folks not not guys, but a lot of folks talking about, you know, oh, I pledged a regiment, you know what? Battalions getting the same perks as a regiment, so I'm going to drop mine and do just a double battalion, you know, and pay the extra fifty bucks because I was yeah, already but with a battalion with the regiment. You can get all the force packs up front. You don't sure. have to wait for yeah. them to hit retail. Yeah, and 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 like in the grand scheme of things, like I don't intend whatsoever to reduce my pledge and go down to battalion or double battalion. Like I'm, I'm keeping that at regiment. Um, like, like, like I was saying earlier, I was just hoping for a little bit extra exclusivity for that nearly double pledge. Yeah, um, I mean, but in like the I grand scheme earlier, of things, I'm still very happy with the Kickstarter. I think all the products are great. I think all the minis are great. When we talked in the 7.5 mid-month, the, the last episode, I love all of it. I am so excited. I love the Kickstarter. I think it's going in a great direction. I think they're doing the best they can with adding additional stretch goals. Holy fuck, do I want a cookbook? Like, yeah. holy right? shit. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm, I'm super excited for, for all of it. I'm not trying to throw mad shade by any book? means. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah man. The seven the mil team. stretch goal is a cookbook. Yeah, dude. Kurt of Blake. Drink section. All oh, of it. Seven, seven mil. Oh, okay. Wolf's Rangoons. Yeah. yeah, all of it. Like I'm Hacking so excited! Cheese. I love this Kickstarter. I love everything that's going on. I may have spent a little too much time with my, in in the grand scheme of things, slightly saltiness, but overall, I'm so stoked. I love it. I think they're doing a great job, um, and I'm just so excited. I just hope it gets delivered to me before I I move back home. Don't worry. If it shows up to your house, I will go get it for you and tell you it never got there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a friend's for. Nice. Um, <laughs> Jamie, what do you think, man? What do you think? We've heard enough about Mike. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jamie, what do you think about the Kickstarter? Yeah, it's cool. I watched the whole Adepticon live stream. Uh, that was tight. All the panels and stuff. I had a good time watching that. I threw in. I did the, um, I'm at the battalion level, not the regiment. Which, uh, yeah, like Mike said, I'm totally, as the stretch goals increase, uh, I'm getting all the stuff. It is sweet. It, it, it did feel like the sweet spot, right? When I like looked at it, I was like, for me, just kind of a guy, you know, building up my collection. And uh, I don't even know when we're going to get this stuff, right? It probably takes a while, you know, to fulfill all the orders. I don't even, I don't even know if they said. But, probably uh, at least yeah, a year. Yeah, right. it said June 2024 was their, their goal to get it out to. Interesting. Everybody. Okay. But yeah, this seemed like the sweet spot for me. I threw in. This is cool. I'm excited for the stuff, though. I want these tanks and uh, these helicopters and, and, uh, and stuff, all these books. It's, it's cool. I, uh, I'm getting all this stuff. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm chill with it. I'm, I want this, uh, I'm into this like universe book. This thing's interesting. Oh, yes. I do want like, that. Yeah, and like you can get the special edition, and it's like this huge. It's like a steel slab. Is the yep, only I'm photo they have. Two hundred bucks for that. <laughs> yeah, they're like here's a steel slab, 
it's like the universe book. And I was like, heck yeah, dude, I want this thing. This is tight. Um, Hansel, did you, uh, Hansel, did you write anything for the universe book? Nope. I've done very little on the nonfiction side. I call that no? the nonfiction side, the source book. Yeah, I call that nonfiction. non-fiction. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's so good. No, it, yeah, I got, I got some stuff. I don't there, know so how the nonfiction fun. side works. Um, I've only been asked once. I'm super excited for when that thing comes out. Um, but no, generally I hang out over here on the fiction side and just do my thing. So yeah, we're we're yeah. two opposite yeah. sides of the coin on that one, man. The um. I'm excited for these graphic novels because I've always thought, dude, Battletech yeah. would translate well into a graphic novel format, though, too. My, these mech yeah. battles would be tight. My boys are so and, excited uh, for yeah. those, man. Yeah, I just always, I always wanted to see it. I, 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 I just always thought it would translate really well. Just the mech battles, you know? You know, you can talk about lasers melting off a, a ton of armor on the left side or whatever, or you could they, just, they like... They say pictures, save it, you know, say a thousand uh, words. They, I'm really excited. Graphic novels... I would love it just because, yeah. you know, there's things you have to write that a picture in a graphic novel would just show. Yeah. Super psyched. Right. I do. I want the right, you know, shout outs to the Battletech writers talking about lasers melting armor, you know, missiles pitting armor. It's, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they have to get so, you guys have to get so creative with it. I see you. I see they're always, they're always, they do such a good job of like a, like portraying mech battles in prose in like an interesting, well-paced way with like, it's clearly a challenge. Like you can, you can see it when you read it. You're like, Oh yeah, he had, a, he worked hard on this. Um, yeah, graphic novels. That's a, honestly, I am, I'm super hyped for the graphic novels. And, uh, but yeah, I threw in, I'm having a good time. I, um, I don't really have any thoughts about value. I didn't think about it. I just, I, I just I just signed fair. up. I just signed up, and I'm excited. Cool. Uh, uh, Hansa, the player, what do you think about the Kickstarter? I am super excited. I am because of, you know, one of the things I like about the Kickstarter is <laughs> all, all you guys are, you know, big money bags rolling in, you know, with your big uh, community chess cards. I... We had, <laughs> No, it's just the card the wife yeah. doesn't know about. I, uh, I already covered that. Place where heater, like, <laughs> yeah. and the air conditioner like a year before that. So the, the credit card is pretty maxed at the old Hansa household. And working it down has been a thing. So I came in at like, I want to say, is it Veteran? The one below company? Like at 80 bucks or something like that? Yeah. And I Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I added on a couple of extra swags because my boys love the keychains and crap like that. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I know that I'm just going to have to pick up the force packs at retail prices down the road. But on the other hand, I want to give a shout out to Waterloo Games up on the north side of Richmond and Battlegrounds down on the southwest side. Um, Waterloo especially has been just a massive support to the, uh, the Battletech fan base. And Battlegrounds is where I've been playing every other Saturday for like nine years. So obviously they support Battletech too. And so having to pay an extra five bucks or whatever the, the, the money comes out to a year and a half from now to support my local game stores and not put it against a credit card. That's, that's kind of like the devil's bargain I'm okay with. And I'm, I'm, I like the fact that the Kickstarter has enough value down here at the old hands of household level that it's still because of all the stretch goals, 
Yeah, I'm still I'm still making out like a bandit. You know, I, I mean, this is this is probably illegal, like a Victoria era. You know, I'd be yeah. hung as a ne'er do well. Um, so I, I love that about the Kickstarter that right. there is tremendous amount of backers all the way up to the Ilcon value, We're down here to you know like eighty bucks. I'm honestly thinking because of the way the stretch goals have fallen out. At the end, I'll probably bump up from veteran up to company. I'll probably knock off because I picked up like an extra three force packs, I think. So I'll probably, you know, trim my Kickstarter, you know, to, to, to fine tune it, to keep it. I, I want to say a bit, I threw in like $250 total, you know, for the extra swag and the extra force packs. And I'll probably trim that. I might go up to company and then trim back a couple of force packs. But I think that's, in my personal opinion, I, I think that's really one of the good parts is there's kind of a spread of options. You can come in at whatever level is you can financially afford. Um, I also, yeah, I was, as a player, um, was very surprised. I'm like, how did you guys not see this coming? Every podcast, you know, text and a big red and everybody's like, oh, this is going to be huge. They're going to make a million and a half hour, you know, and CGL's like, nah, we'll be lucky if we, we, we'll be lucky if we make our 40 grand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you not see yeah. the tsunami coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, right. I, I, w- I was initially surprised with the, the max yeah. stretch goal of two I, mil. I, I'm like, really? I really? here in the hotel because like, I had a no computer on the morning. Yeah. And, and I saw, I'm like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. So I logged in and my I, I did my Kickstarter at 10.04 and they were at a quarter million. I'm like, oh, Christ, this is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking I I, huge. I logged in at about 11.30 or whatever and it was already like 1.8. Yeah. 1.7, 1.8, something like that. And I was like, the, yeah, the wave of uh, emotion, because I was, I watched a lot of the streams those, those days. Um, and the wave of emotion as it blew past 1 million, it was just climbing that overcame like Lauren, Randall, and Ray. I mean, those three guys, they really, they carried this IP through the dark years. And seeing it hit them, oh, yeah. that's like, okay, this is great. This is really good. This is unexpectedly good. You know, it kind of hit them at all at different points. Um, it hit Ray first, and then like Randall and Lauren a little bit later on. Seeing that emotion in their eyes really just made me happy as a player because they care about this just as much as we do. You know, they care about it even more. I mean, so right. that's one of the things I love about it. I think that's what makes Battletech special is that it is not run by yeah. a corporate entity that only cares about money. It is run Passion. by people who are actually passionate about the IP. So and yeah, they're players. They, they they're the players game. just like they're everybody else. Players you know? and their fans. Um, dude, last year at Gen Con, Ray told me that he likes my work. And I just about melted into the ground. I mean, yeah. I mean, because I mean, to know that you know he's the boss, but he also is a fan of me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so yeah. it, uh, they're just what a wonderful company. I would, I would drive down the gates of hell itself these guys you know i think one of the one of the incredible things i mean not just the amount because the amount can be like affected by a lot of things like you know inflation and stuff but the number of backers that's what i've been watching the most and and the number Mm -hmm. the increase in the number of backers that's what really makes me happy is to see like the growth and people that find this to be like a good thing even with the naysayers that are buying in and being like i love this product i want more of it so I'm I'm really excited about the number of backers that I see over seventeen thousand now. So yeah, and I mean, do you think back to the Clan Invasion Kickstarter? It was what it topped out at twelve, I think. Yeah, something like that. Like, like eleven, yeah. twelve thousand. Yep. You know, 
currently, as of right now, April 1st. 17,797 backers. Yep. Mm -hmm. And 4.83 million back that I pledged. So, yeah. Um, Super excited. Yes. For the future. Yeah. So let's, uh, since we've, we've talked about kind of the growth of the game a little bit, um, let's roll into our unofficial launch party that took place up in here. We should have been Texas. We should have. Matt, you, wanna, <laughs> you, you were the chief organizer of this whole thing. You want to talk about the Kickstarter or the uh, launch party? Booyah! Yeah, Ben, we had, a, uh, we had an awesome uh, Kickstarter launch party at Hobbytown Westminster. Um, we just thought, since we didn't get an official invite to be special, I guess, that we'd, we'd uh, classified ourselves as special and have just a party and just kind of have like some, some food and, and games and stuff. So I uh, threw something together at Hobbytown Westminster, which is, um, for those that aren't local, it's kind of north end of Denver. And it's been a store that's really supported us quite well for quite a while. We have Friday night fights there every Friday night. Uh, good attendance with good group of people coming from Denver and from all the way up to Fort Collins, where I come from every other week. So uh, it's a great place, great space. A uh, shout out to them for really catering to us and trying to get Battletech product on the on the shelves all the time. So we had uh, 44 people show up. I think 44 was the last count. Uh, Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. We had, they kind of gave us our own room that's kind of on the main floor. So we had, we were streaming the stream from the from Adepticon. We had pizza and all sorts of treats and stuff. Then we had, uh, we had all sorts of games going on. Randy was, Randy had, I think, up to six players playing Solaris. Um, yep. And then, Ben was running a test scenario for the Olympiad, I believe. Um, Then we had John was running a massive Alpha Strike battle with like six or eight people total. We had Manny doing another Alpha Strike battle. We had, oh, we had games going on everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there was... I think there was five tables of classic going on, plus three tables of Alpha Strike going. Yeah, it was it was pretty 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 impressive. Yeah, and lots of lots of people coming through saying hi. You know, lots of people that hadn't played in a long time or were kind of uh, coming back to the game. You know, surprised to to hear that things were going so well and really excited for the Kickstarter. So we we just kind of funneled this into a, a nice night where we met a lot of new people and uh, played a lot of great games. Um, what did you think, John? I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I, you and Ben did a great job of making sure that everyone felt welcome, and you guys got like pizzas and uh, soda and everything, which was a lot of fun. I think we, I mean, we had almost like a dozen tables set up between classic and Alpha Strike guys, so it was a lot of gaming, and uh, it was fun seeing a lot of people just kind of show up from the woodwork that I'd never met before. Um, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And uh, anytime that like uh, one of these kind of niche like nerdy things can draw in that big a crowd, I always feel good. Um, this is the biggest BattleTech thing we've had uh, so far in my experience. Nice, yeah, for sure. Uh, ben, what were your thoughts? And then, yeah, others. Uh, I was blown away, man, by by the amount of people that showed up. I mean, normally 
you know, Westminster Hobby Town's kind of me and John's normal gaming night on Friday nights. And on average, you'll get a handful, you know, five, ten people there every Friday night playing Battletech. Between eight and ten. But at, by, yeah, I think it's growing. It's it's definitely growing, and I think the the launch party really solidified that that's a place to come for. You know, there was a lot of people that came. Um, hell, uh, Trent Sparks' uh, friend, uh, May and Aaron, they showed up. They're like, hell, we just live right down the road, you know, and we we played here, but we didn't know if Battletech was going on on Friday nights. And we're like, hell yeah, man, come on out, Heck you yeah. know. So I was blown away just by the amount of people that showed up, you know. I thought we'd have at most like 20, you know, but uh, it, it turned out way bigger than that. I think it, so I was, impressed. It, was just, it was just like, it wasn't even super organized, really. We kind of like organized it the weekend before or whatever, but right, it, right. it really can't, it really, again, like I was talking about with the Kickstarter, it really kind of shows how the game's growing. But also, I've always really loved the the community that we've had here for Battletech. Just, it always seems like a much more, I say, friendly game rather uh, than other games that I've seen. And I don't really play much, many other games, but. I've seen a lot more money and time put into things that are kind of into games that can be frustrating. Um, whereas when I when I generally see BattleTech players, it's not the players that they're mad at; it's their own dice, and I totally get that. But <laughs> but the players and like the player community, bro, the dice, though, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, the player community, especially here, but anywhere I've gone to play BattleTech has always been great. So yeah, I mean just. As an example, I mean, Logan showed up and he brought a box of minis over and he's like, hey, he's like, uh, I'm donating these. Just, just make sure everybody gets one, you know. So it was just that little that little piece of the community where somebody's like, hey, you know what, I, I don't really use these. I don't have a use for them, but I've got them. Let me, let me hand them off to somebody that might want them, you know. And, and we were able to give a mini to everybody that, that showed up, uh, which was really just a, a fantastic way of showing that community piece. Was it fantastic? <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> what was the, uh, w- uh, when you guys, what was the ratio of like classic to like alpha strike? You know, what was the, uh, you know, did you guys play, I don't know, at your shop, at your, uh, what were, you, were you guys playing mostly classic or alpha strike? It was a mix. It was, it was almost, I mean, you had what three, six, twelve, twelve guys, maybe fifteen guys playing classic, and another twelve, fifteen playing Alpha Strike. So it's nice. pretty, pretty even split. Plus, you had got a lot of people just hanging out, just kind of watching and going, "Oh yeah, I remember this game." You know, um, hell, the one one guy that was testing out my scenario, he's like, "I haven't played since the '80s." He's like, "Man, this." He's like, "You know." Asking Old a school. bunch of questions and stuff like that. He's like, "Oh yeah, I remember this and remember this. This was battle droids, and th- it was it was just really cool to to battle see droids. people come I, that has been back one of the most to the exciting game, thing. You know, is seeing people you know coming back to the game, and they're like, I think I still have some stuff back in my dad's house. And it's like, well, it's all still legal. Bring it. You know, <laughs> you, know you your old mechs put them <laughs> yeah. on the table. I mean, yep. you're seeing a lot of that of old mechs from the '80s from returning players right there next to the new plastic, and I love it. It is such an exciting time to be a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so great. Yeah, so great. and I, I think that's really one of the things with, with BattleTech here locally, at least. Um, there's no like kind of stigma like, oh, you play Classic. Well, don't come here. It, it, it's really kind of open like, oh, you like Classic more? Cool. 
we're playing Alpha Strike over here, but there's plenty of classic players, so it's it's really open and, and especially at Hobby Town, like there's always kind of both and we might try other things in the future, but in I, I really enjoy that. Kind of the well. opposite. Um Richmond's almost pure classic, but because Richmond is right in the middle of like North Carolina, which is Battletech Central for the East Coast. It's ridiculous. And then Nova is right up the road. So, Interesting. you know, right now, a lot, there's some interest in starting to test out Alpha Strike and trying to, you know, hey, let's, let's see what this 350 stuff is like. So it's an exciting time to be that, too, you know. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. North Carolina is like the right. hub of Battletech on the East Coast. It's, it's, huh. I didn't know yeah, that. On the, stream, cool. on the stream that they had from the North Carolina store, I was like, wow, that, that is a nice-looking yeah, store it, that they play at. It so it was, that, it was that's cool really see. focused out of there? Or I can't... I can't. Yeah, Mech Bay. Fortress, it's Mech Bay. Fortress Bay is down there. Out of there. Yeah. Oh. And Southern Assault. Yeah, Fortress Amazing Games is down there. I'm pretty sure I think so. Ares is yeah, based on North Carolina as well, actually. Are they not? No. No, Ares is more like Central, Northern... Southern Assault is down there. I want to say a bunch <laughs> of the Wolfnet guys are down there. Yeah, North Carolina is huge. There's a couple different games. Like one of my buddies wanted to get back into Battletech, and I asked in one of the Discords, I'm like, Where's where are the games held in North Carolina? Like, well, if you're close to Riley, it's this store. If you're close to here, it's this store. If you're close to here. I mean, I'm down here in the boot here in Texas, and there's not a game store within four hundred miles that's playing Battletech. <laughs> You know, in, in North Carolina, you can't shake a cat right, without hitting a right. store, and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old Texas. Mm-hmm. All right. Favorite. Does that wrap up our return report? Anything else going on? I think that's it for that. Rounds complete. Pretty sure right. that's it. Cool. That's right. Remarks complete. That's it. Now I'm looking that's, at the Kickstarter, guys. That's, that's so cool. I'm glad you guys had such a good turnout, though. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going up by about 50K yeah. a day. Yeah, 4.8. I think there'll be a big push near the end. It's like people Heck like yeah. me kind of shuffle their orders and go up maybe like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. But, you know, 40 bucks across 17,000 backers, it adds up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely oh, absolutely. Does. It's a good... It is a golf. I think it's about scooting up. I want another Timberwolf. I think about it. It's true. It's tempting. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm there with you, John, on the whole Timberwolf thing. But you yeah. know, as a guy that plays a lot of clan, I mean... I, I get that, guys. At this point, I just that's another Timberwolf to paint up into a different faction after I strip these four Timberwolves. Maybe I'll get yeah. the big one and, and I'll glue the little ones to it like they're elementals. Oh my god, that'd be amazing! There you go. There you go. Family. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like a like a super heavy with a bunch of light max attached. Yeah, to don't don't give Jason any yeah, any ideas about super heavies, right? <laughs> Dave yeah, will go agog like, for Oh, fuck super heavies, man. <laughs> Tell me how you really do. I just can't. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? Do we want to get into the S2 brief? We want to... Um, so, tell me about Justice for Hansons. So, this, this started... <laughs> so, Justice for Hansons started when... Just all of the Wolf Dragoons and Kellhounds and GDL fanboys, like, just were all just super excited about all their new fiction coming out and stuff like that. And so I just yeah. started putting hashtag Justice for Hansons, which which I had Ray ask me about because I said it in another Discord. He's like, he's like, what's that all about? And I was like, 
it's just my way of saying, hey, we need to do some fiction for Hanson's Rough Riders. And you I'm willing to write it. Discord that I have yet to join <laughs> because I'm not an author. Yeah, well, <laughs> put in a shrapnel story, suck it. But yeah, that's that's uh, where Justice for Hanson may, came on. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, eventually. Yeah. I don't know. I suck. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where Justice from Hanson's came came about was was my stab back at I agree. no fiction for Hanson's Rough Riders other than Justice for Hanson's Dark Age book. Absolutely. I want to say I was crappy. I, I don't want to dog another writer, but you know, it's one of those things where it was just not a good intro story for getting Hanson's Rough Riders into the fiction kind of thing. So that was my my take on hashtag justice for Hanson's. I love it. I just I just want to make a quick note here. There's a, a piece of art in the Kickstarter, yeah, and it's from the perspective of someone piloting a dasher, and somehow they got shot by a centurion, and now are falling in the water. And uh, I see I it. Just, yeah, I think they deserve it at that point. <laughs> you do not, not like dasher. Not using the dasher right. Yeah, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you get shot by a centurion, <laughs> you you deserve everything you get. Yeah, as a, as a dasher pilot. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All right, folks, this month's S2 Brief is on the Hanson's Rough Riders. One of my favorite units. Hashtag justice for Hanson's. Slide. The Rough Riders' identity was born around 2961. They were a Federated Sons Battlemake Regiment under Colonel Ludwig Hanson. They fled the Sons, fearing reprisals, under the reign of First Prince Andrew Davian, who destroyed five line regiments of questionable loyalty in reprisal for his father's murder. They moved into the Free Worlds League and joined the 12th Atrium Dragoons which was a unit led by Ludwig Hansen's distant relative, Gerhard Hansen. During the Anton Merrick, Janos Merrick civil war that began in 3014, the 12th Atrian Dagoons sided with Anton Merrick. The 12th fought on several worlds during the uprising, only to be worn down and ultimately surrender on Callaway 4. Gerhard Hansen led the remnants of the 12th, as well as other disenfranchised Merrick warriors, into exile and reformed them into the mercenary regiment known as Hansen's Rough Riders. Appearing in Lyrian space, they began working as mercenaries and quickly became media sensations for their embodiment of the rowdy but successful mercenary. The Rough Riders became famous for their attack on the heavily fortified League world of New Olympia, where they annihilated two enemy regiments over the course of three weeks before they were forced to retreat in the face of overwhelming odds. During the 13th Battle of Hesperus II, the Rough Riders were rushed to protect the Steiner factories from an assault by the famed Wolf's Dragoons. The Dragoons made several unsuccessful attacks against the Steiner stronghold until they finally found a weak point, only to be stopped by the Rough Riders inside of the factories. This marks the Rough Riders as one of the very few units to ever beat the famous Wolf's Dragoons, more precisely their respected and feared Black Widow Company, on the battlefield. They had also previously killed the commanding officer of the 7th Commando in an ambush during that battle. Throughout their time under contract to the Lyrian Commonwealth, the Rough Riders participated in many raids and defensive missions in the lead-up up to the, the Fourth Succession War. During the Fourth Succession War, the Rough Riders were assigned to the first wave to invade Wheel alongside Narhal's raiders. The defending Tooth of Ymir Mercenary Command requested a ritualized battle to avoid collateral damage to the civilian infrastructure. The Rough Riders defeated the Tooth of Ymir in a battle that was noted to have been fought with skill, compassion, and honor. During the second wave, the Rough Riders conquered Hainfield and attacked Satellus together with, with the Waco Rangers in what was noted as one of the most effective invasions of the renewed offensive. Because of their regimental history, the Rough Riders had a tense relationship with House Davian, though Hans Davian made peace with that unit following the Fourth Succession War. Under a deal sponsored by Katrina Steiner, the Rough Riders were eventually posted to a garrison unit on Bromhead in the Capellan March. At the onset of the War of 3039, the Rough Riders became part of the invasion force for Pike 4, 
The Draconis Combine counterattack prolonged the campaign on Pike 4, and the units suffered considerable losses at the hands of the 5th Sword of Light. After the War of 3039, the Rough Riders faced nearly two decades of inaction while under contract to the Federated Commonwealth. Colonel Gerhard Hansen, who had led the unit since their inception, retired and handed over the reins to his son, Wolfgang. Colonel Wolfgang Hansen's abilities and attention to detail kept the unit in top-notch condition over the years of inaction, keeping the Rough Riders ready for the next fight. The Rough Riders would continue to be stationed in the Davian half of the Federated Commonwealth during the clan invasion. It was not until Catherine Steiner Davian offered them an assignment on the Clan Jade Falcon border during Operation Bulldog that they got their chance to fight the clans. They performed superbly during several fierce raids on Jade Falcon worlds before returning to their garrison world of Bromhead. At the onset of the FedCom Civil War, Wolfgang Hansen met with the commanders of the two AFFC units on Bromhead and declared for Catherine Steiner Davian. The assignment on the Jade Falcon border had endeared the unit to Catherine Steiner Davian, and they fought for her during the Civil War. In mid-3064, the Rough Riders took and held most of Panpour, but were eventually driven off by the Lexington, Lexington Combat Group and withdrew, but not before inflicting heavy losses on enemy troops, particularly the Fighting Urukai and the Albion Military Training Cadre. The losses the Rough Riders inflicted on the fighting Yurikai on Pampur instigated a contract dispute between the Yurikai and the Federated Sons, which caused the fighting Yurikai to leave the Sons and enter the Tardian Cordat. Their unexpected arrival was misinterpreted as the vanguard of an invasion and triggered a Tardian attack against the Federated Sons just as the Civil War wound down. In response to this new threat, Duke George Hassock contacted the Rough Riders who were facing unemployment with the defeat of KSD and negotiated a contract with the unit. Before the new contract was signed, the second Torian Lancers attacked the longtime home of the Rough Riders on Bromhead, while the Rough Riders' combat assets were in transit. The mercenaries would not learn of the attack until later. The remaining Rough Rider infantry on Bromhead inflicted several embarrassing defeats on the attackers before the incensed Torians eventually overran the Rough Rider base, killing many of the Rough Rider dependents, including Colonel Hansen's wife and three youngest children in what became known as the Bromhead Massacre. The Bromhead Massacre would turn the once rowdy mercenaries into a quiet, brooding, and bitter entity. Colonel Hansen vowed to turn every battlefield into a Tarian mass grave and take no prisoners. The entire unit followed his lead. The fact that the Rough Riders possessed no jump ships of their own is the only thing that kept the mercenaries from going on an unsanctioned rampage in the Concordat immediately. As the word of Blake Jihad began to unfold, the Rough Riders were stationed on Middale, when Dedrickson's devils attacked under false colors, pretending to be the Tarian guards. At the sight of the Concordat bull insignia, the Rough Riders flew into a rage and soundly defeated the impostors. After their near-constant harassment of Capellan March Command, the Rough Riders were finally allowed to launch their own offensive against the Concordat. The Rough Riders' first target was Electra in Concordat space. The campaign began well, but quickly bogged down against the Tarian insurgents. They eventually overcame the resistance and, in the process, captured a number of Alamo-class nuclear weapons which the Taurians had allegedly prepared to use against them. In the ensuing withdrawal of the Taurian forces, several of the nuclear weapons were detonated by the Rough Riders, resulting in a public outcry against the unit, but no finding of wrongdoing by the Mercenary Review and Bonding Commission. Elements of the Rough Riders were on Brusa when the newly formed 4th Taurian Lancers attempted to conquer the world. Despite deploying nuclear weapons against the dug-in mercenaries, the Rough Riders would go on to ambush and destroy the Lancers. The Rough Riders would see action again during a counteroffensive to recapture Hyalite, where they used fuel air bombs against the defending Gordon's armored cavalry, shattering the mercenary command and recapturing the world for the Federated Sun. It is noted 
that during the assault on Hyalite, the Rough Riders would once again capture a stockpile of nuclear weapons from the Concordat, which would later be used in the assault on Amber Grove. The war between Hanson's Rough Riders and the Tarni Concordat escalated to a point where nuclear weapons were used not as a last resort, but right from the start. Eventually, the Tarians would even send a warship after the Rough Riders and bombard them from orbit on several worlds in an attempt to destroy the unit. The Tarian Concordat would be unable to destroy the unit throughout the war. The Rough Riders would ultimately return to Federated Sun Space for resupply and were assigned to the invasion of Terra at the end of the Jihad. This is an effort by the Federated Suns to allow the war with the Concordat to dwindle and redirect the mercenaries toward a bigger threat. What the Concordat failed to do over the course of several years of warfare, the word of Blake almost single-handedly did on Terra. The Rough Riders were nearly obliterated in Texas by nuclear attacks from the Blakists. At the conclusion of the Jihad, the Rough Riders were reduced to a reinforced company and would spend the next 60 years rebuilding themselves into a formidable fighting force again. They were integral to the formation of the Galatia Galatea Defense League as a training cadre, and this would lead them to their second visit to Terra in service to the Republic of the Sphere, where they would be embroiled in the defense against the invading clans of Wolf and Jade Falcons. They fought all over the planet and ultimately lost two battalions before they managed to escape the rampaging clan forces. Upon their departure from Terra, the Rough Riders would return to Galatea and accept Julian Davian's offer of land and titles in exchange for military service. The world of Tybalt has been given to the unit as its new home with Colonel Lauren Hansen recognized as the planet's duke. And that completes the Rough Rider history. Thoughts on that? Good grief. Are they like heavily associated with nukes or what? <laughs> that was funny. I didn't, you were, when you, the part with the nukes, I had a little chuckle. You're like, they yeah. just started, they just started the, with them. I was like, oh. Weren't the, weren't the Rough Riders uh, the, the main characters, like one of the Merc games? Mechwarrior yeah, Mechwarrior 2. Macquarie too. They yeah. were. They were. You were like. Oh yeah. Attached to them, and like, uh, I guess one of the voice actors for it was supposed to be a Rough Rider, like sergeant or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Pick, you could like uh, you because you can choose between like Hellhounds, the Dragoons, and the Rough Riders. I think. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the Rough Riders were on the cover. Oh. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think they were. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging deep here. Yeah, the, Old the nukes, man. The They're nukes. cool. Yeah, the, when I think Rough Riders, <laughs> I feel like they have a real like heavy metal, black leather image. Yeah. You know, that's what I think of. They're real like uh, they're like a biker. I don't know. I get like biker gang vibes. Well, you think about it because I think the first time they're ever described is in the the Gray Death Legion books in Mercenary Star. That's right. With Delmar, uh, Delmar Clay. Delmar Clay, yeah. yeah he was a former, a former Rough Rider. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. He's got the jacket. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty interesting. It does play into my yeah, random whole... fact of the day. Uh, two associated dropships that, that are named for the Rough Riders. One is the Ramblin' Wreck, and the other one is Wild Ride. Mm-hmm. So that plays right into those. That's right. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, I, I just find it. I chalked them up there with like the Wolf Dragoons and the Kelhounds as like a mercenary unit that can go to war with a periphery power, you know, and, and hold and, their own and, and really just keep them on their toes, you know, or keep them on their heels. They're so, cool. And we don't have don't a lot. Have, don't have a lot of fiction on them. Hint, the hint, catalyst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, well, and they've been there from the beginning. They're one of the the five mercenaries yeah. that have been here from the 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 onset of the game. So, Man. yeah, one of the original one of the original uh, mercenary units that was associated with a with a house unit. That's why their their emblem or their crest 
the blue shield. Yeah, then it, then, Lynn's company was the Federated Sons. The 21st Century Lancers was uh, the... Merrick, uh, I think, wasn't it? Merrick, yeah. yep. right? The, and the, who was the yeah. other one? And the Dragoons was were the Curitas. Was, was uh, I thought it was... The, yeah, they're right, yeah. And who was the fifth Linden's. one? Uh, Linden's company, that's who it was. Oh, so it was Light Horse and Linden's? Okay. Yeah, Light Horse Linden's, the Centauri Lancers, the Dragoons, and the Rough Riders, I yep. thought. Right. Yeah, because the Dragoons were working for Curita at the time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're a fun little fun little backstory there. I love that BattleTech. Uh, we could probably sit here and come up with a dozen to two dozen Merc units that have an amazing backstories that have seen little to zero. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know the the Rough Riders, the Lexington Combat Group, the Twelfth Star Guards, Centauri uh, Lancers. Yep, the Centauri Lancers are getting some love and shrapnel, yeah. but the fourth. Talisay Lancers and the uh, the other one, the Fifteenth Dracones. Yeah, yeah, Dra- uh, yeah. Dracones or Dracones. Dracones. Yeah, it just uh, tons and tons of you know regiment to brigade level units that float around the Lycian Lancers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just they float around, they influence entire succession wars, and yeah, they've got like a page of fi- a page of notes. So much. You, know, you can do a whole S two brief on them. Yeah. Yeah, no oh, fiction. Jason, do you do you think this is yeah. going to be like? Is that where some of the fiction do you think will be going in the near future? Is more to these Mercunets, especially since the Kickstarter is mercenaries. I would almost place money on that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do have their I own only, force pack. They do have their own force pack. Um, yes, I. I, I mean, when you I, look I, at the, when you look I, at the force I, packs that have just come out, you know. You've had the yep. Wolf Dunes. We've got tons of yep. fiction on them. You've got the Kellhounds. You've yep. got tons of fiction on them. Yeah, I mean the, every. Death. Oh, I thought I thought that the picture came out. It, aren't aren't the uh, the Hanson's Rough Riders up in yeah. uh, Dominion space now? Oh, maybe was that in um was that in DD? Um, that was in remember. that was a note in was it Dominion's Divided? I mean, come to think there, of it, now I I, I am recalling the page. They're in the 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 emblem. Yeah. There yep. is and, a th- and yeah yeah. There in one of the uh, the sneak peeks coming up, the, that, I, there there is a story coming up about them in Ilkhan, and I believe it's written by Randall. So I know there's a story about every force pack. I wrote one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah. and Dominion's yeah, yeah. divide. Like I'm halfway through uh, Empire Alone still. Uh, like yeah. I said, I'm slow. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm next is. Dominions divided. I just finished uh, a question of survival, so I am very much oh, yeah. looking forward to Dominions divided. Yeah, Question of yeah. Survival is a great book, and it's a great jumping on point for fiction. In my absolutely, opinion. people yeah. always ask where where do I jump on to BattleTech fiction? I'm like, well, if you want to start kind of where we are, jump on with Question of Survival. You know, so but yeah, I know there's going to be one fiction story for every Force Pack. Yeah, I know yeah, there's, there's Rough Riders coming out. Yeah, mine is the outlier. Mine was Star League. Everybody else is going to yeah. be Ilkhan, I believe. Check this out. I got this. I have a copy of Question of Survival, right? I got his, it. He signed it. It's he wrote. He wrote, "Long live the Jade Falcon." Oh, what? You funny? got some? You got signed <laughs> copy? That's what? awesome. No, I'm so jealous. No, you can just get it off the website, dude. For real. So <laughs> yeah. I literally, I he like tweeted. He was like, "Hey, click this button, and I'll send you a copy of my book." And I was like, "Okay." There you go. Uh, it's well, cool. I, yeah. I, I need cool. to do that then. I just thought it was funny. I wanted to point out what he wrote. Long live the Jade Falcon. Ben, Ben, you will be happy to know that I recently suffered through another birthday, and my boys got me none other than 
Hanson's Rough Rider uh, Force Pack. Yes. So there you yeah. go. It's such a good pack, man. Such a good pack. The jumping Hatchet Man? Yep. 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 Penetrator, yeah. Jumping Hatchet Man, an Atlas. Oh, and... I tell you what, that Penetrator, I, that is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I love it that is, it is less squished than the metal one. I'll say that. Yes. 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 Yeah. The, the little bird legs on the old metal one just Penetrator didn't really do it for cool. me. Yeah. You know, and it just I was think... really... Go ahead. Oh, I was, uh, I was like, I've always... I've always liked the Penetrator since uh, I think it was uh, Kyoto Lau or Galen Cox when they do that match on Solaris yeah. in uh, Assumption of Risk, I think. And he used the Penetrator. And it's like, I was like, yeah, dude, this thing rules. Ever since I yeah. read that, I've, I've been, uh, yeah. I, I was, I, I that always turned me off because, you know, in my opinion, battle mechs fall into three categories. The good, the bad, the ugly. Good or good, bad suck, and ugly or good mechs that look like shit. And penetrators are ugly. They're just They're, it is, is just, it is ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and because of the ugliness, you don't realize. Hey, this is not a bad mech. Yeah, it's really not. It's really I think not. the new one, the new little mini. I thought I was like, this is this is cool. This is better than yeah, the, yeah. You know, totally. Yeah, yeah, the new mini wants me to put makes me want to put it on the table. Yeah, I don't play ugly mechs often. You know, screw right. them. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm better than that. <laughs> this goes back to our conversation in the car, Matt, going to LVO. Yeah. What mechs do you, does everyone else hate that you love? Kind exactly. Of thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of pew pews. Or just the, ugly. Yeah, exactly. What 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 is the one you get on the board and you're like, why is that here? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. Oh, now I see. <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing on, uh, the tactics of the Rough Riders. The Rough Riders have a penchant for our close combat and short range warfare. They excel at working with non battle mech units as well as noted by their preponderance of heavy and assault-class armor. Uh, the T.O.N.E. of the Rough Riders field a large amount of heavy and assault-class battle mechs and armor. Their armor units especially being comprised of heavy LRM carriers, Shiltrons, Alicorns, with Rommel and Patton tanks being the light support units. Many battle mech companies are composed exclusively of heavy mechs. Since their formation, they've stayed with a standard organization of three mech battalions, two battalions of armor, an aerospace wing, and a regiment of infantry. Numbers have fluctuated over the decades, but with their reputation as one of the elite mercenary units, they always build back up. Color schemes. The Rough Riders favor a dusty brown and dun coloring for their usual parade scheme, but will use a variety of camouflage when called for. For a small number of years during the Jihad Dark Age time frame, the parade scheme changed to a midnight blue with smoke gray highlights, but has since reverted back to the dusty brown and dun of their original colors. The crest of the Rough Riders is a white fanged and horned skull on a blue shield. Similar to the midnight blue paint scheme, the crest background color changed from blue to tan and back to blue again. So, and thus completes your S2 brief on the Hanson's Rough Rut. Heck yeah. Justice for Hanson. Justice for Hanson. That's right. Somebody write it. <laughs> I'm trying. Are you, are you writing about Hanson's? That'd be tight. I'm, I'm, I've got a short story in the works. So I'm trying to I'd read it. Get through, the, yeah. get through the queue. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, there's literally things to write about than our writers are doing. There know? really is. There's so I much stuff. I mean, I can't even write all the crap I want to write. <laughs> right? <laughs> Alright, any thoughts on Hanson's Rough Riders going once? They need more love. They Ooh, do jackets. need more love. They do need more love. Yeah, I feel like they're like the wild child out of the original Mercenaries uh, units. Because yeah. The other ones yeah. are, you know, all the comments are like, oh, well-organized or well-supplied or well-disciplined, and this one's like, we get down and dirty with big mechs, and it, it, when 
when a Rommel is your light support. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I understand what you guys are doing here. You guys are big. I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing. I didn't really know a whole lot about them. Like, I was always been a big GDL fan for most of my Battletech time, you know, and it wasn't until I got some assignments to write for the universe book that I started diving into the Rough Riders, and I was like, wait a minute, these guys, these guys are right in my alley, and I kind of like these guys, you know? So, yeah, justice for Hansons. Heck yeah. All right, um, now let's move on to the drink of the month. Oh, buddy. Drink of the month. <laughs> drink of the month. Drink of the month. Drink of the month. Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master of Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirs, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. Alright folks, this month's Drink of the Month is the Large Laser and the ER Large Laser, which consists of three parts vodka, one part cinnamon schnapps, Add alcohol to a highball glass and fill the remainder of that glass with club soda. For the ER large laser, add a second part of cinnamon schnapps for that extra range. Spicy. Spicy. So has anybody tried it? I know, Hansa, you tried it. I did. That picture I, I sent, was that a highball glass or was that just a tumbler? That's, that's like a highball glass, yeah. Okay. Same thing. I dug it. Yeah. Um, because throwing in all the, uh, the, seltzer, the soda water, Kind of, you know, made it more of a, a, a semi-flavor, but it diluted it. And I think that in a bigger glass, like a, a yeah. not beer mug size, but, you know, a taller. Yeah, a 12 ounce, you know, kind of. Yeah. If you could throw in a full seltzer bottle, I think it'd be dangerously delicious. Yeah. Um, it's, okay. I, I think this was, you know, the rare misstep by the, the drink creators. <laughs> they made a good one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And this is, this is honestly one that I would not even add bourbon to. I'd go Whoa. with as it is. You know, throw some ice Whoa, in there. What? What the are you and what have you done with bourbon? I know. I'm, I'm going completely Holy off the shit. reservation on this. So, um, yeah, let's throw some ice in a, in a pint glass. Ice. Yeah. That, that, that was the thing is uh, it was fine. And then I added some ice into it because it was just warm. It was room temperature. Yeah. And yeah. the ice made the difference. Uh, the original recipe doesn't mention ice, but throwing this over ice and then maybe a little bit of a bigger glass, and this is not a terrible drink. It's it's actually not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. To disclaimer, I don't. They didn't have cinnamon shops, so they used Fireball for mine. So that's I don't fair. know. If, well, that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah, it's cinnamony. It was, it was still, it's very cinnamony, but it was still it was good. I could. I could seriously see dr- sitting there, like on a back porch around December, drinking one of those. Yeah. You know, watching the snowfall or something. You know, it, it's. Yeah. I dug it. He got yeah. a, a chemical laser. <laughs> Ooh, to, I don't even think that's on my list. I'm gonna have to create some for some. Yeah, do a chemical laser. <laughs> That'd be tight. Yeah. <laughs> definitely come up with something for that. Cool. So for for Ben and and Jason, those that have drank it. Does does it burn? Does, is it smooth? Like how how's it, it go was, down? It was it was a good sipping drink. Yeah, um, yeah. Gives yeah, you a little bit was, of heat on the back end, you know. Um, yep, yeah. From the vodka, I think mostly, but the cinnamon gives it a little bit more flavor than just the straight potato. No, I taste I, I drink. I used good vodka. I was like, you know, if I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna suffer here, 
I'll, I'll use the twelve dollar <laughs> shot. Vodka. I'll pay right. the extra three bucks. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty decent, you know. It's yeah. like I said, I I would I would not even add bourbon to this. I'd I'd just yeah. take it as it is, and you know, it's a fall not... night sitting by a fire. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 Pretty solid. So yeah, like I said, no, rare mystery. No <laughs> bourbon. No bourbon. No on this bourbon one. from the no. bourbon. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's a, my it's mind a is drink. blown. I know. You have to try it out now. Ooh. I mean, I yeah, I do. Oh, what was that? A woo? That's the woo. <laughs> and that is your drink of the month. All right, moving on. News from neighborhood. I just checked the Discord and the and Facebook for games that are being played all throughout Colorado. So we're waiting on Luke to get some details on the quarter three Alpha Strike event in Pueblo, Colorado. Hit us up, Luke. Let us know, man. Let us know. <laughs> um also upcoming actions. Uh we're kicking off the Marshall Olympiad here in Westminster. Uh it's gonna consist of a classic game. All right. Um, I'm going to put the rule set out on Discord so you can download the rule set, take a look at it, build your forces, whatever you need to do. Um, the way it's going to work is you submit your forces pre-May 1st. May 1st, the first scenario will be published, and the whole month of May, that scenario will be run. You only have to play one scenario to be accounted for in the Marshall Olympiad standings. And then we'll do three total scenarios, May, June, and July, with July 31st being the last time that the third scenario can be played. And then we will give out prizes at the end for those that participate. So come on out and play some classic. And Ben, I'll throw one out uh, after that. I didn't throw this on the show notes, but the tentative date for the next Battlefronts event, which will be Battlefronts Clan Invasion, as should be... If all things go well, it should be on May 6th. So that's a Saturday all-day event. We'll have Alpha Strike, Classic, maybe some Destiny. We'll see what's going to be going on. But uh, details forthcoming. Should be another great event. Last time, I think we had like 25, 26 players come out. It's just kind of an event to get into the feel of the era and to really kind of have to deal with the issues that come out in the in the lore. So we will be putting out some more details about that. Uh, but everyone, come on out to Hobbytown Westminster on the 6th of May. Ooh. Mike, you guys got anything going on in the Springs? No, Mike. Mike. Come on, Mike. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> got anything in the Springs? Um, nothing in the Springs that I'm tracking at the moment. Uh, the next event that we've been, um, I don't know, somewhat tracking is the Pueblo event from Luke down at Game Night Games. But we have yet to receive any major intel as Fair to enough. what that, as to what that event will be, this, that, and the other. Um, Fair. And then we've got uh, Battle F- Battle for the Sphere three coming up in September ish, I believe. So it's way out. Yeah, that's that's a little far out um, from the current recording. Um, Battle for the Sphere is generally our beginner friendly, or at least most beginner friendly event. 
um, for the state. I think Dave, he he has left us at this point <laughs> um, because he is weak. Um, yeah. <laughs> suck on that, Dave. Um, <laughs> the... <laughs> Oh my. The beginner friendly event in September, I think he wants to do uh for the first event we did a singular location and then for the second event we did a split location. I think for the third event he wants to go back to a singular location. I don't know. Um uh, we got time to figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. All right, so I think that covers our upcoming actions, and we're down to shout-outs. All right, oh. so we're going to start with uh, our guests. Let's go to Kanan. Kanan, you got any shout-outs? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am Kanan Hill. Uh, I do a Battletech podcast uh, with my friends, Brent and Aaron. Um, it's called Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. and. Right now, we are going through the Battletech novels in mostly chronological order. It's just a fun project where, and my friend Aaron hasn't read them at all. So we're taking him through the books, like chapter by chapter. Uh, check it out. We just finished Mercenary Star, and we're about to start Price of Glory. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, we really do. We just like go through the books and just talk about you know what's going on? We just like uh, we just talk about them. We have a great time. We had a lot of fun reading about uh, Grayson on Verthandi and uh, all that. What a classic! And the Marauder. It was a it was a blast. And um, you guys do a great job. Yeah. So yeah. props to you Thank guys. Thank you. We're about to start. We're about to start Price of Glory, and uh, we're very excited. And um, yeah, check us out. We're on everything. We're available on all the major platforms: Spotify and. Uh, Apple Podcasts and whatnot, and um, we're gonna start putting stuff up on the YouTube channel as well. At some point, we do have the YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, check it out. Of Max and Men. Ooh, awesome! Yeah, you guys do a good show, man. Thank you. We really enjoy it. Uh, Jason, shoutouts to you. All right. Well, my first shoutout is to the uh, the mystery gentleman. I last night when I was drinking at the bar. Uh, we were sitting there talking, and they, we were sitting there talking about service, and they found out I was a vet. And so they bought me my large laser. So to the mystery dude who sat there and bought it for me and then floated wow. off to his room, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, very cool. Uh, second shout-out would be definitely to my local gaming groups and the stores, uh, Richmond. Battlegrounds has been hosting us for years. I, I got there like nine years ago, every other Saturday. And so the the group, the guys that sit there and let me uh, just screw up and put, bring random mechs and then they shoot me, it's great. Um, Battlegrounds has been, you know, very supportive. It's been great. Waterloo up on the northwest side, that's sounding like cheers of, of game stores. And uh, they just, they, they support me. They love my kids. Just absolutely great game stores. Um, it keeps the community alive. Which uh, brings me to my third shout-out, which is definitely the fans. Um, a couple episodes ago, I think you guys did a, episode about burnout so don't confuse how many words have been published by me versus how many i've written i wrote well over a hundred thousand words last year like 125k 130k which is like 300 words a day that's professional level and i have a real job um 
And I was definitely approaching burnout. And right in like kind of January, the Discord channels just kind of like discovered my work. They they created like the hands of sadness scale for, you know, <laughs> my stories. Yes. And I just thank you all to the people who have recently come online and been pumping me up. I, I've needed it. I hit a wall in early January. And then the, like this response, especially to incident and defenseless, has been carrying me for the past 60 days. So to everybody who likes my stories, to everybody who, who shot me a note or tagged me and saying, why are you making me cry again, you bastard? I love you all. Thank you so much. So that's my shout-out. That's out. pretty good. Awesome. Uh, Dave. My shout-out goes out to all the people that uh, are supporting us and to all the folks that are across the Battletech community that are listening into us and reaching out and saying hello and coming onto the discord and you know, it just makes this whole thing worth it. And it makes it really fun to be a part of the community at large instead of just being a player. And it's kind of cool to know that uh, people take time out of their day to listen to us. So that's my shout out just to say thank you to everybody that's out there that's listening to us and you know for taking time out of your day to spend some time with us so thanks so sweet uh-huh john yeah yeah Kanan, it was nice meeting you and hansa it was nice talking again if you ever want to run yeah. a loki at me sometime just let me know <laughs> um shout outs go to uh our own ben and matt for putting on the Kickstarter event went really well, and to everyone that came out, it was awesome seeing everyone having fun, meeting people that I've never met before, and getting to chit chat, uh, play some fun games. So thank you to everyone. Uh, you guys all make the community better as a whole. So thanks. Thanks, John, Matt. Yeah, I'll. I'll uh, you know, I've really enjoyed having both you guys here on the podcast tonight. Uh, it's been great to have you both. Uh, Excellent, excellent guest for sure. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, I'll throw a shout out to my regular Wednesday night guys. Uh, we've had a we we do a kind of battle tech night at my place every Wednesday night here in Fort Collins, and uh, I've had a, a great number of people that come through and and play. You know, one or two times a month or something. But three guys have really stuck with me and come almost every week. Uh, it's Lauren. And Josh and Ian. So I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys. Uh, it's always great to play with you guys on Wednesday nights, and you guys are to here in uh, in Colorado, especially here in Fort Collins. So shout out to you guys. Thanks, guys. Mike. Uh, okay, for me, I want to shout out Brian D. I just ran a intro game for him uh, yesterday, which was the last day of March, because now it's April first. He's primarily a uh, Warhammer player and starting to branch out. Uh, I think he had a good time uh, based off, I don't know, my conversations with him. Uh, so shout out to Brian D. And to you, Jason, for being an amazing author. Um, I apologize. I haven't read more of your stories. I've, I, I, I've read one. And that was the third pillar, but I loved it so much. <laughs> Just shout out to you. Um, totally. I love your storytelling. I've only read the one story so far, but I am looking forward to all of the others once I very slowly 
catch up because man am i behind uh just in general just all around i'm behind because i got into it two ish years ago and i read slow yeah man i I started 30 years ago and i'm still trying to catch up (laughs) so i'm not alone there's so much yeah jason i appreciate you uh the story the one that I've read so far, Third Pillar, the heist. Who doesn't love a good heist? Uh-huh. I love it. Um, thank you. And yeah, just just thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you. Well, All around. You, I appreciate it. Mr. Hanza. It really was. It was a pleasure to speak with you. It, it has been great meeting you. Um, and I appreciate that you dug into a lot of my more kind of obscure works. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Man. I love talking about the kangaroos. <laughs> you know, I love so. it. And and to Mike, thank you for you know loving the third pillar. I poured a shit ton of effort into that story, and the fact that it resonated so well with you, and that you actually want to go out and hunt out my other stuff, it means a lot. Thank you. Thank you Absolutely, both. I'm so excited for everything else. Yeah, and my shout outs. Uh... My shout-outs go to all the folks that came out for the launch party in Westminster. Um, really appreciate you guys' support. I'm glad. I hope you guys had a great time. I want you guys to show up. We're there every Friday night. Come out and play with us. And my second one goes to Seth over on the Mercenary Star YouTube channel. If you haven't checked out the Mercenary Star YouTube channel yet, definitely go do that. He's breaking down all of the oh. mercenary units in the lore so white check fox. him out the white fox the yeah. white fox the white fox himself yeah that's it and yeah, that that's a good podcast i dig it yeah yeah it's a good time and that right. brings us to our last call let's go last call hey, everyone thanks for joining us today in the valhalla club special thanks to our sponsor aries games and miniatures Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at the Valhalla Club at Outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, mech fans. What's up, Kanan? Hey. Howdy, howdy. Oh, it's that Kanan guy. Hey. Hello. <laughs> it's Trent. It is. it is Trent. <laughs> Hold on, boy. I was...
was going to leave, and they told me I had to stick around. So at, yeah. at least for like another six minutes or so. At least so so Kenny can say hi. Thank you. <laughs> Trent, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm well. I uh, fell asleep during the D&D movie a couple of times, but that's, that, that's oh, because that, that, that is wait, because wait, wait. I was exhausted. Yeah. Which, which one? The new one or the old crappy one from the 90s? Well, I, I still kind of like the old crappy one. You can't. I, I, I cannot get past the blue lip back. Oh, guy. Well, <laughs> that he was so good. One of my favorite werewolf movies, uh, Bad Moon, I think it was. He was in with um, no, uh, Mario, good Mario Van Peebles. It was just bad. Well, it's like somebody was like, you know, oh my God, I hated it so much. The bad guy was so over the top. I'm like, have you fucking played D&D? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I have you ever played an RPG before? The best, the best graphic in that entire movie was the one scene with a beholder in it that's just kind of floating around in the background. That's like the uh-huh. best CG in the whole movie. Dude, that reminded me of Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Also, an amazing movie. Good movie. The the scene where whichever one of the Wayans spawn it is that gets caught in the in the the rug of devouring or the whatever it is. There's an interview with him where he's talking about how much that oatmeal stank by the time he actually got into the thing. And he was just like, it was horrible. Oh, I loved it. Oh, Matt, what's up? Balls. What's going on? Balls? It's, it's, it's okay. Balls? It's okay. They will descend. Just be patient. <laughs> Trent, nice to have you on again. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not really on, per se. I'm just, I know, I know. You know, <laughs> crashing the party. Yeah. <laughs> We don't. We have, We don't take away the. Once uh, once you're on the podcast, we don't. We don't take away your your permissions to access. So. Guest status. Oh, yeah. I see. So it's like herpes. You just keep it forever. That's lovely. Forever. Grandfathered mm. into everything. Oh, I'm going to <laughs> on different streams and just ask dumb questions. It's a way to do it. Oh shit! Does this Archer model have backward? Have rear facing lasers? Yeah. Nobody does that. Like every what Archer model has that. I don't know which one this came out of. Also, what's going on in your wet palette? You know what? You you keep your comments to yourself about my wet palette. That's a clusterfuck, my guy. Because I'm cheap and I don't want to put a new uh, thing on it. Wet palette. That's (laughs) something. They're so cheap. (laughs) I'm I'm struggling so hard not to comment on that wet palette. Yeah, the wet palette. It's bad enough that you describe Craig as a workhorse. I'm like, oh, Jesus, hi. So uh, I was curious about the wet palette. Is it worse not, when the wet palette yes. is too wet or not wet enough? Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're just talking about painting that. Brazing. <laughs> so oh, we're not yeah. doing phrasing. I would say it's probably worse when it's too wet. We went from pronunciation like, to phrasing. Like most things in life, <laughs> there's a proper level of moisture that you need to reach. Would one say just the perfect amount of moistness? No, Michael. You're banned. <laughs> Gotta be moist. Very it's very good. <laughs> it totally is. This show is gonna be Every so episode is like this. I, always, I like to aim for NC, man. You know what I mean? Just go all the way. Just like prom night. Yeah. Nice. Uh-oh. Prom night babies. <laughs> Hey, yeah. he edits oh, out yeah. all of my yeah. most of my swearing throughout the whole. But not the jelly beans. I was Turned just about to say oh, that. Ah, <laughs> the fucking beans. Fuck, I oh, knew beans. I forgot something tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, thank you for the parenting advice. Yeah. I'll think about it. <laughs> From the guy who has no kids. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, who, has, about? Who, has, yeah. who has made the choice to not have any children? Did you get the snippy snippy? 
Fuck yes, I did. Yeah, that's nice. That's liberating. That's like just walking around with an unloaded gun instead of a grenade in your hand. Yeah, but this one stopping by. Yeah, no problem. Good seeing you again, Trent. Yeah, the vasectomy talk is totally going in the bloopers. (laughs) (laughs) What? This should be in the main show. Vasectomy thing or be gay like me. Either way, it's fine. Uh Although, although there is a chance, there's a very small chance that somewhere out there I may have a son from like very good right before I went into the army. So you know, this is an all-inclusive podcast, Trent. Yeah, I know. I I had that feeling when I was here before. (laughs) There you go. All right. So you guys have a good show. Have a good one, Trent. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Trent. Brother, good night. Mike, I'm just gonna do the like the music from Star Wars when they're having a lightsaber fight. And I'll just do that the whole night through. You can edit it out. Mute. Yeah, see, we all know it. Uh Mike, do we have to turn off Craig? Turn him off? Oh, I'll, I'll turn him off. You can okay. kill Craig. You kill Time Craig. Time to kill Craig. We can kill. We can <laughs> kill Craig. Sergeant Craig.